Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9 in our South College Street studios. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the proud host of this show. I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy with me here on this Tuesday. A lot to continue to talk about as we go through the week. More college basketball talk ahead as we continue to talk Auburn basketball. Now starting to look forward to this next week of basketball games for the Tigers. We'll look forward to more SEC play as a whole tonight. We will also talk uh, maybe some pop culture stuff. The Oscars got got, uh, their nominations done today, so we might uh, talk with that especially with our guest, Justin Ferguson, who we're going to have on the show of the Auburn Observer at 4.30 to continue to talk all things Auburn with him. And, of course, all of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one tiger 9 And also we will have a giveaway in the 5 o'clock hour. We will be giving away Auburn gymnastics tickets. They are quite the buzz. This gymnastics team nationally recognized both individually in the form of SUNY Lee but also as a team being one of the top rated teams in the country and they have another home gymnastics meet this Friday we will be giving away tickets to that meet in the five o'clock hour so we want to stay tuned for that going to be a good show today again Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy. We'll start with you, Tom, and uh, yep. welcome back, sir. Good to see you again. Glad to be back. Glad to talk about all the sports and yeah I mean if you get a chance to Go watch one of those gymnastics meets. By all means, go do it. I mean, Suni Lee is obviously the superstar, but uh, Darren Goburn is is doing her thing. Uh, that whole team is doing their thing, and it's quite the atmosphere. Uh, and in fact, they uh, was it uh, what morning show was it with the Hoda? The Today um, Show. <clears throat> the Today Show talked about it and and was showing uh, Darian doing her floor routine and showing her brother, and you know even they were talking about the atmosphere that's there inside. Neville Arena for gymnastics. So, yeah, if you get a chance to go, go check it out. And then Brooks Childress on the show Yay. again today. Brooks, uh, good to see you for the first time this week. Yeah, it's uh, it was a great weekend uh, all around sports world. Uh, I had a great weekend. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun show for us today. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers. And like Tom was saying, you know, and, and you know, we got that giveaway coming up later. I went ahead and looked on here ahead of things to, you know, kind of kind of get the ball rolling. The only tickets available right now to this Friday's meet versus NC State through Auburn Tigers is standing room only. And the giveaway we're coming up later, you get a seat. You get to actually sit down in a seat. And so, you know, you, you can either go buy standing room only tickets and you stand the whole time. Or you can have yourself a seat, listen to us, continue to listen to the show. And when we give you, uh, give you that cue, you can be on your way to that giveaway. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, 5 o'clock hour, we'll be giving away some Auburn gymnastics tickets, so stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, A lot of football news and a lot of basketball news continuing on. 
Uh, we've seen um, some guys in, in both Auburn basketball and Auburn football. Again, recruiting visits always happening. Uh, saw that Auburn's going to have, I think, like 27 or 26 juniors on campus this coming weekend as we get closer to the weekend. And we'll kind of preview uh, some of those visits that Auburn's looking at for the class two years from now. Uh, and then more uh, offensive coordinator news in the NFL and want to start with this one because, again, it, it registers a little bit closer to home here. And also, Brooks Childers is the benefactor of this hire. Uh, so, Bill O'Brien, we had, and actually, Brooks and I have not talked about this today, and usually this is something I would have asked him about it. But uh, Bill O'Brien leaving Alabama pretty much as anticipated, not, not a big shock there, leaving Alabama and returning to the New England Patriots as their offensive coordinator. Of course, what that means for Alabama, they now are without an offensive and defensive coordinator. This is the sixth time in eight years that Alabama will have a new offensive coordinator. Obviously, that has not uh, affected them too much overall but now Bama looking for an OC and a DC and again for your team Brooks uh, you have a familiar face returning uh, he was an offensive coordinator in the past for the Patriots and now he's coming back to New England so your thoughts both on uh, what it means for Alabama now without an OC and a DC and then uh, for your Patriots as well yeah so Bill O'Brien come going back to the Patriots he was in in New England from 2007 to 2011 he served as an offensive uh, assistant wide receivers coach quarterbacks coach only one year as the OC at in New England it was the 2011 season OC and QB coach before he went to uh, take over the head coaching spot at Penn State um but you know, I, I think it's one on the New England Patriots side. I'll, I'll you know talk about that first because I'm you know it's it. Where, that's your team. That's my that's my NFL team. It you know I don't know how he, how good he's going to do. I I do like his offensive philosophy. I think he's good. I think he'll be good for Mac Jones uh, going forward. But you know it's I, I think the biggest issue is, or the biggest. Uh, difference is he's actually going to be an offensive coordinator. He's actually going to be an offensive coach calling the plays. Um, I know you know we've got ESPN on in the studio. We've got NFL Live popped up a graphic a minute ago that you know it said Matt Patricia called the plays this year. Didn't have an offensive coordinator this year. Matt Patricia was the play caller. Um, uh, uh, who was the spe- special teams coordinator? Joe Judge, Joe Judge yeah. was also uh, an offensive assistant. Both of them were named offensive assistants, but Joe Judge was you know like the quarterbacks coach guy, and he's a special teamer. Matt Patricia was the play caller, but. He's a defensive coach coming up in the NFL. He did have like one season uh, back in when he first started that he was on the offensive side of the ball, but it just didn't work. I'm just happy as a Patriots fan that Bill Belichick is, you know, with this hire admitted, hey, this was a mistake. I thought, you know, we could do this. I'm just glad he didn't wasn't like, I'm Bill Belichick. I'm the greatest coach of all time. We're going to keep going because I know this can, you know, this is my call. I'm glad that he, you know, admitted his mistake, not, you know, his mistake. And it was like, we need an offensive coordinator in here. We need someone that knows the, you know, the offensive side of the ball a little bit better. And plus for Mac Jones gets an, you know, offensive coordinator in and a guy that worked with Tom Brady for a few years there. Uh, you, you had Josh McDaniels who also worked with Tom Brady. And so I, I think you, you have the potential to see Mac Jones take another step forward in his quarterback development for Alabama. I think a lot of Alabama fans are happy to see him gone. I think in just both coordinators. Uh, I think they a lot of Alabama fans were kind of kind of you know soured on both of them. I mean, Bill O'Brien had only been there since 2021, so this was his second year as the OC. Um, but you know, it, it's I, I think a lot of Alabama fans are are glad to see him gone. I, I don't know who they would be. You know, they they want to target. I think they basically just want him out. And 
you know, Nick Saban, the, the thing about Nick Saban and, you know, and, and his coaching staff at this point, it's basically plug and play at this going forward because, you know, you're going to get someone that you, you know, recognize. You're going to get probably get someone that you've, you know, it's been a head coach in the college football ranks before. Um, go, you know, as the new OC, I don't know who they, they're going to be, they're, they're going to be targeting, but it, it's, it, you know, I, I think for the Alabama, for Alabama fans, I think they're, they're happy to see Bill O'Brien go. You know what's kind of wild about uh, Alabama this year? I was just looking this up because I was under the inkling, um, like you were, that uh, Alabama fans not in love with Bill O'Brien. Maybe he was just too much of a, a pro guy. Uh, maybe it would be better for him to be in college and that sort of thing. But I was looking this up, and, and I know they had some struggles at times. They kind of beat up on the bad teams. They didn't have too many robust <coughs> showings offensively. Uh, against uh, their their biggest competition, obviously losing a couple games as well. They still, for the year, maybe this is just stats being deceiving, but they were fourth in the country in scoring this year still, 41.1 points a game. And again, I know that in some significant moments, maybe the offense was not uh, as robust and, and, and maybe there were some issues. Certainly, Bama did not have some of the elite wide receivers that they've had in recent years, when you think about the Jamison Williams, the John Mechies, the uh, Henry Ruggs, and Devontae Smiths, and, and the list goes on and on. But but uh, they still, as a whole, fourth in the country in scoring. I think you saw the offense get a little better at the end of the year. They had a great Iron Bowl, obviously, and they put 45 uh, on Kansas State in their New Year's Six Bowl. So, um there's still a pretty high standard, even though that Bill O'Brien did not seem like maybe he enhanced things. Maybe he was not given the creativity points that Elaine Kiffin was given when he was there. Maybe even Steve Sarkeesian uh, in recent years as well. But they still functioned as a top five offense scoring wise in the country. So still not a whole lot of room for improvement. Maybe a few situations. Of course, they will be uh, losing Bryce Young to the NFL draft. And so they'll have uh, more personnel changes there. But uh, just interesting to see both coordinator positions open at the same time, uh, not anticipating anything to go incredibly awry. We did spend a good portion of last week talking a little bit about Pete Golding going to Ole Miss. But, Tom, I mean, with two coordinator positions open for Alabama, uh, what, what do you think they're looking for in those guys? Or, or does this signal – uh, again, very cautious with a term like this, but is this troubling in any way for you? Uh, I mean, it's not It's not troubling. Uh, I mean, if you're an Alabama fan, they've been – Again, it's a positive, right? If you got both both these guys that maybe were not well-received. Yeah, I mean, so, both of them, uh, you know, with the Alabama fans, yeah, they were, especially Pete Golding. I mean, there's a lot of people who are ready to run him off because, I mean, with the talent on that defense, they felt like there were still some struggles there. Bill O'Brien – you know, yeah, he's you know a well-known name, but I don't think he ever really necessarily like fit the culture there. Not like a Lane Kiffin or, or somebody like that, which you mentioned. Um, so I don't think there's any Alabama fans that are sad to see them go. But the thing is, is there has been a lot of uh, turnover in those coordinator rooms. I mean, now Kirby Smart stayed as the defensive coordinator for a very long time before taking a head coaching job. But I mean, that offensive coordinator spot has seemed like it's been a an ongoing rotation. And they really haven't missed a beat. And, I mean, you look at some of the names out there that are you know, former head coaches and even guys from the NFL that might be looking for jobs, that seems like the place that those guys end up going. So, 
they may end up getting better. I mean, they may end up getting a guy like a Cliff Kings, Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, that would that would be dangerous with with the type of weapons that they have, and you bring a guy like that in to be your offensive coordinator. Not like not saying that that's going to happen, but you know, that's a guy that runs an extremely high powered offense. Always has. That would be kind of scary. Uh, and so now I I don't think it's a big deal for them. Like I said, they they've kind of gone through this before, and I think those two guys were two that they're not really sad to see go anywhere i was going to say I, i've looked up because you know i said i didn't know who they're going to be targeting al.com our friends over al.com already have a, a list up good um the some of the names on here include o- oklahoma offensive coordinator jeff levy who a, for a lot of people remember as being at Ole, Ole miss, miss for a couple yeah. years with lane kiffin also coached under josh heupel at ucf uh buffalo bills quarterbacks coach which a lot of people will remember this name joe brady uh yeah. what he did at lsu uh, you've also got Ole Miss's current uh, co-offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach Charlie Weiss Jr. in there. Florida former Florida coach Dan Mullen's name is in this article. Uh, former Jets head coach Adam Gase is in there. I don't know if that would stir a lot of people's nah, uh, positive nah, emotions. No, nah, it wouldn't. Uh, also, former Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett's name is on this list. Like you said, Cliff Kingsbury is on this list. And then there's a couple other uh, assistant coaches from around the NFL around the college ranks. Uh, one, uh, Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach at Philadelphia Eagles, he was the one that was mentioned as, as an Auburn position, wasn't he? I, I think so. Hey, the, the thing is, and Alabama can – I don't want to go as far as to say they can get whoever they want, but they almost can. Uh, as long as Nick Saban is going to be the head coach there, they can almost have their pick of coordinators because they know that working under Nick Saban – it's just like working under Bill Belichick. Uh, I mean, you can go through and look at the coaching trees and the pedigrees of some of these guys that are now in the NFL and doing well in the NFL. There's a connection with Saban or there's a connection with Belichick. That's that's kind of how that goes, and that's why these guys are not hesitant at all to go and coach under Nick Saban because it ends up benefiting their career in the long run. So, like I said, I don't know if I want – there's always contract things and money things, so it, I, I'm, that's why I say I'm hesitant to say they can just get whoever they want. But the fact that they've got former NFL head coaches for a coordinating position exactly. as potential that kind of shows you that they can get whoever. Not they many want. schools can convince a former NFL no. head coach to be, go be the, the OC. Exactly. So, but they but they're able to do that, and it, that's what they always what the joke is the the Nick Saban school of coach rehabilitation. Yep, exactly. And so so and yeah, those guys you mentioned. See, some of those guys again for NFL circles. You know, you mentioned like Adam Gates and and Jason Garrett. Like, wouldn't touch those guys with ten foot pole in the NFL right. right now. I mean, Adam Gates seemed to make everything worse that he touched, and uh, Jason Garrett uh, is great at clapping on the sidelines. <laughs> he's great at kind of staring into oblivion. I still don't think I've ever seen him speak into his headset when, right. he, when he's been on camera. Not convinced he says words during a game. Uh, and then also remember, after losing the Cowboys job, we talked about this when we were talking NFL playoffs, that the Giants, who made the playoffs this year, were a totally different team than the last couple of years when Joe Judge was coaching them. Well, Jason Garrett was their offensive coordinator. They were 31st in the league in offense two consecutive years, but Jason Garrett's the OC. So 
I don't exactly want to touch Jason Garrett in the coaching world, honestly, either. So I don't know if those would be the names that, that Alabama would necessarily want. But it is interesting because Alabama does get some of these former pro guys. Bill O'Brien had been the, the Texans head coach. And it's because they have so many future pros anyway. Right. They can kind of use that professional type of coaching, even if it kind of failed. Well, hell, their head coach did not work out in the NFL. <laughs> Nick Saban, who's become the greatest of all time in the college world, was just an okay, not unproven NFL head coach. Yeah. And so it also stands to reason that he brings some of these ex-NFL coaches, even if they didn't succeed in the NFL, and they coach a lot of players that end up playing in the NFL in a couple of years. Yeah, you know, the thing is, you're talking about the you know, a guy like Adam Gase. Yeah, me personally, I would not want to touch him. But, you know, the thing is, that's kind of how Bill O'Brien was when he got that OC job because, I mean, he, they had just – they had done such a f- terrible job and fallen off so bad with the Texans. I mean, when they finally ran him off from over there, that it was kind of a an untouchable guy. Nobody really wanted – nobody wanted anything to do with him because he had just done such a poor job. Which is interesting and because so, O'Brien – here's my, my – not to try and go too much on this, but uh, I thought he did a fair job as a coach in Houston because they had several playoff teams with him. But he was also in charge of their personnel. He was kind of acting as their GM, too. Right. And that's where he was being an idiot, trading all these draft picks and, and just making really poor roster decisions. But as a coach, they I mean, Deshaun Watson ended up, I think, leading the league in passing or was one of the league leaders in passers one year, passing one year. They went to the playoffs multiple times. I didn't think the dude was a bad coach. I just thought that he did not know how to roster build. I mean, he was in Houston a long time. I'm looking at it again. Uh, six years there, and uh, or excuse me, well, six complete years he coached the seventh and didn't finish the seventh. But of the six complete years, he had a winning record five of six years. And then they had the 0-4 in 2020 and got canned. But they went to the playoffs four times, five winning mm. seasons. So I didn't think the dude was awful. I did, but you're right. In NFL circles, he was not desirable because they felt that he had made those poor right. roster decisions and, and run the program in a, in a downward spiral. But, the, but those yeah. NFL guys like, a, like Adam Gase, those guys were phenomenal as coordinators. That's why they got head coaching jobs. Now they just completely crapped the bed – uh, when it came to that, but they were great coordinators, which is why they moved up the ranks right. that way. So, if you you know if you're looking at Nick Saban, maybe a guy like Adam Gase is who you want because, they, like you said, all the NFL experience and all the guys are going to coach that are going straight to the NFL and the NFL type system they want to run. That may make more sense than a guy that is only coached on the college level. It'll be very inter- interesting to see. Uh, who Alabama ultimately decides on is their OC and DC. And then also, again, several NFL OC jobs still open. The Patriots, I believe, the first there to fill theirs, but still, I think, seven or eight other NFL teams needing an offensive coordinator. So we might not have had the head coaching changes in the NFL that we thought, but certainly a lot of coordinators uh, have uh, taken part in the carousel. All right, first time out of the show today. When we come back, birthdays and sports and your phone calls, stay tuned to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Mm-hmm. 
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here. Chatting all things in the sports world. Brooks enjoying the tunes a little bit. Are there any returns that you know of that you don't like? Not really. I mean, they're all kind of generic stuff, but... uh, Wasn't there like some copyright thing that we dealt with? Yeah, I mean, we have royalty-free stuff now, so... Right. But... It should there shouldn't have been an issue to begin with, so no. I, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, we cover our bases now. I still, and we I have still, very generic royalty free yeah. stuff. I still remember. I missed the uh, uh, bang that that uh-huh. hit, that that little clip that was always kind of get you lively, get you going. Well, maybe uh, instead we'll just start playing our own music like off air during the breaks, like, <laughs> like all those returns, our like hype music, our yeah. locker room hype music, right. Uh, you know, Seven Nation Army and and go. all that, all that good stuff. All right, uh, time for something we do each and every day. It's time for birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports presented by Max Credit Union. Today we've got Kia Vaughn, turns thirty six, current center for the Atlanta Dream, selected eighth overall in the two thousand nine WNBA draft by the New York Liberty out of Rutgers. Let's go Scarlet Knights. Also played for the Washington Mystics and Phoenix Mercury. Two thousand eleven WNBA most improved player, Kia Vaughn, turns thirty six. Jose Quintana turns thirty four, current MLB free agent pitcher, so he's unsigned right now. Twenty sixteen All Star play for the Chicago White Sox, Chicago Cubs. Los Angeles Angels, San Francisco Giants, Pittsburgh Pirates, and St. Louis Cardinals. Jose Quintana. I wonder what he feels about playing for both the Cubs and the White Sox. If he had a preference between the two. If he got booed once he went to the other. I think he started as a White Sox, so Cubs was after that. But always curious when you have uh, two sides of the same city. Jose Quintana turns 34. I wonder how he feel about playing for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I don't think he'd make the rotation for them, no. honestly. Uh Maybe. I don't know. But Soroka versus Ian Anderson, from what I hear, for the fifth spot. Hopefully Soroka can be uh, be healthy. Tristan Wirfs turns 24, current offensive tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Selected 13th overall in the 2020 NFL Draft by the Bucks out of Iowa. Let's go Hawkeyes! Super Bowl 55 champion, 2021 uh, first-team All-Pro. 2022 second team all pro two-time pro bowler 2020 pro football's rider association all rookie team at iowa worst was 2019 big 10 offensive lineman of the year which is actually a very coveted award if you're the best offensive lineman in the big 10 and uh 2019 first team all big 10 uh and then 2019 first team all american tristan Wirfs turns 24 today and Bobby Bryant turns 79, former NFL cornerback, selected in the seventh round of the 1967 NFL Draft by the Des Moines Warriors out of South Carolina. Played one season with the Warriors before joining the Minnesota Vikings. 1969 NFL champion, two-time All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, named one of the 50 greatest Vikings. Member of the Minnesota Vikings 25th and 40th anniversary team. Did not know teams had their own anniversary teams, but that's pretty cool. 
At South Carolina, Bryant was 1967 ACC Athlete of the Year. That's right, ACC for South Carolina at that time. I always forget the Gamecocks from the Atlantic Coast Conference. There you go. And uh, so Bobby Bryant turns 79 today, and those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, Kiavon, Jose Quintana, Tristan Wirfs, and Bobby Bryant. Uh, yeah, were you a big fan of uh, South Carolina and the ACC? I mean, it's before a lifetime geographically worked, but you know, I just can't, you know, I I can't think of a a Steve Spurrier coaching in the ACC. I can, it was called Duke. Uh, True. (laughs) True. Uh, But obviously became really became Steve Spurrier in the nineties with Florida. But uh, yeah, South Carolina, look, they have this problem where, in football, they're not quite up the par with some of the SEC schools. If they wanted to be a basketball program at that time, the ACC was obviously awesome, and so they weren't up the par in ACC basketball. Uh, they're usually quite good at baseball. There's some good, some other things, but uh, football and basketball has kind of been a tweener in between both conferences, and uh, they ended up going to the. SEC, you could argue that even though they are geographically very responsible with the SEC, ACC might make more sense for them because of their rivalry with Clemson, because of um, the North versus South Carolina debate and all that. But uh, nevertheless, they're in the SEC, and uh, Beamer Ball is, is in the Southeastern Conference. Honestly, how about we do this, all right? We trade the South Carolina team, so the SEC gets Clemson. We send the South Carolina to the ACC because uh-huh. technically, if you want to get you know you want to get technical, Clemson is geographically closer to the SEC schools than South Carolina is. Yeah, I mean South Carolina technically would be the furthest uh, east. Yeah, unless yeah, because yeah, Gainesville's still on the on the Atlantic coast. Yeah. Excuse me, not the Atlantic coast, the Gulf of Mexico side of Florida. So yeah. I think technically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not? So, yeah, Clemson, Clemson's a Clemson's a heck, heck of a lot. Yeah, South it's a lot closer to Augusta, Georgia than Columbia is. Yeah, and yeah. it's right up I eighty five. So. so I'm just saying, like, listen, we get Clemson in the conference, send South Carolina out, and then Auburn doesn't have to play Georgia every year. Georgia can play Clemson and, every year. And if they need more in the trade, maybe a uh, a Vanderbilt to be named later. You know, something <laughs> something like that. Uh, but uh, that'll do it for the birthdays and sports again. I'm uh, going to take our next time out of the show. We'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line in just a couple of moments. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen. Can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning Sports Call. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Tiger 95.9, if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, presented by Coca-Cola. Brooks, you like this one more or less than the uh, previous? More, because it either sounds like we're doing like a, a, a Sanford and Son spinoff. I was going to say, it sounded like a, like an 80s... Uh 
sitcom? Like a, well, not a sit, no, not an '80s sitcom, but like a '80s uh, action. Mm. You know, not the eighteen, like you're like not the cruising 18 or, down uh, a California highway, like yeah. sunglasses and. Yeah, it's kind of got the Miami Vice vibe to it. You see, I like I said, I was going either we're doing a Sanford and Son spinoff, or we're like a a uh, we're zooming in on a, a house in like rural Louisiana on the Bayou. Okay. And we're like, one of us is sitting out on the porch waiting for the Gator to come back. Hopefully, Edward's on so on on that porch. <laughs> Uh, about to fight a gator. That would he's be, the neighbor. That would be. He's the crazy neighbor. <laughs> you barely understand. That, that's pretty good. All right, uh, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine at Tiger Nine. First up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, in fact, guys, while uh, I was on hold. Uh, uh, I hope you guys don't feel offended, but a friend of mine who's an Alabama guy actually uh, alerted me that there was a uh, interview uh, coming on shortly on my local uh, sports radio station with none other than Jason Campbell. So uh, right. I've just gotten through listening to Jason Campbell being interviewed uh, in Mobile, local radio sports station, and he has some interesting comments I'll share real briefly with you. Uh, one of them, he said, they asked him about uh, the hire of uh, Hugh Freeze, and he said in talking with uh, Freeze, he very much – said to him that he had no plans to go anywhere else. All right. So that was an interesting comment. And they talked uh, about uh, how he uh, got into the uh, broadcasting um, side of uh, football. He said he always uh, liked to be able to involve in football in some fashion. And I didn't know this, but apparently he was also a, uh, I guess a sports analyst for CBS Sports, he said, and for NBC uh, for the Washington uh, I guess Redskins at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, he was contacted uh, apparently by uh, Stan White and by Rod uh, Bramlett at the time uh, to consider coming over to uh, Auburn Sports for uh, uh, the they, uh, network. All right, and that's that's how he got involved. So, uh, not to put you on the spot or put any pressure on you, but I would really, really love it if uh, somehow you could get Jason Campbell on uh, this radio show and. You know, have him uh, come on and talk with uh, uh, people. Yeah, we uh, we could certainly try to do that. Um, we uh, we will be having Andy Bertram on tomorrow, and he will be uh, talking a little bit about uh, Jason Campbell and and uh, Stan White departing, and obviously everything else going on in Auburn. But we can certainly try to set that up. Okay. Uh, also, another person that I'd like to see maybe eventually if you get him on, um, because he's uh, done an introduction to a book that I'll talk about maybe later on this week. Um, uh, and it's uh, David Housel. All right. Yeah. Uh, David, obviously, an Auburn legend. Right. Uh, now, there is a, a podcast, uh, and I wasn't familiar with it. I just happened to see by chance from another link that uh, Jason Campbell just talked about. Uh, he has an interview with Cadillac Williams. It was done this past week. It's called uh, uh, was it, uh, Auburn, uh, uh, Auburn Believing, uh, was it, uh, Believe everything in Auburn, yeah. Uh, and it's a podcast. Uh, and uh, uh, he had uh, Cadillac on there and talked with him. And one of the uh, comments that both uh, said that they had some concerns about with the uh, uh, transfer portal and also especially the NIL was that he said many of these people will only come for one year. He said the things that uh, they built of uh, the uh, 2014 and other teams uh, that they built the uh, 
the cohesion, the chemistry, was that they develop relationships with each other. And some of these people from the transfer portal won't have that opportunity said, to do that. Uh, he said, and they, you know, learned uh, what everybody was like on the team. They hung out with them uh, for three, four years. Uh, and they built what he said, they both used the same word, uh, a brotherhood that has remained uh, beyond uh, their football time uh, playing at Auburn. He said that's one of the things that they have some uh, uh, concerns about uh, with the transfer portals and the NIL, that uh, there's going to be some of that that won't be um, like those opportunities will be lost. Your comments, guys, about that. Yeah, no, I think definitely time together uh, is a big part of relationships. And um, I know that you go through a lot as a team, even in one particular season. So, I'm I'm not going to say no one's ever going to have deep relationships with with guys or with with one year, but certainly when you're there longer and you go through more battles and you go through different kinds of experiences together, that's always going to um, add to the relationship and it adds team chemistry. We talk about that sometimes with uh, how we rate teams and and sometimes continuity with teams matter a lot and, and that's built over time. So not rule it, not saying that you can't develop a great relationship in a year, but certainly when you have more time, you have more opportunity, and sometimes those roots grow deeper. And he said that's exactly how it even led. Uh, he said Ronnie Brown first got on the AU uh, Sports Network, and it was Ronnie that called him and said, "Hey, man, your name is being being brought up a lot uh, about you coming on and being part of the uh, Auburn uh, Sports Network," and that's what got him thinking, "Okay." Uh, he said, I'd love, uh, I've always loved being in Auburn, and I'm more getting back involved. So anyway, it was, it was a good interview with him. So I hope you can somehow uh, you know, uh, encourage him to come on the show. I'd love to uh, maybe even let the uh, listeners like myself and callers be able to call in and talk with him. All right, uh, moving on, guys. A, another, another great shout-out to Miss Sunny Lee. You may already know that I just saw it. She got co-SEC Gymnast of the Week. All right, great honor. Yep, uh, she keeps ringing off uh, those awards. Uh, Going to enjoy her time here. I uh, heard you guys say that apparently it's standing room only for the next uh, gymnastic event. Is that right? That's right. The only tickets available to get are standing room only, and I'm sure those are going to go out before Friday night too. Gee, but it, uh, who would have thought that, right? Yeah, they. I mean, one, it's just so much excitement that's been created around this gymnastics program. It's been growing for several years, uh, even before SUNY Lee got here. It, it's been growing for several years, but getting SUNY Lee here and then you, you're getting a lot of other big-time recruits in has really, really gotten the, the excitement level around this gymnastics program to another level. Well, uh, that's another statement probably now. All right, uh, guys, I saw some uh, stats that uh, uh, were surprising to me, uh, maybe not to you guys, uh, Nathan King did a column they called Assessing Auburn Strengths. Weaknesses, a mid-five-game winning streak. Have you seen uh, his comments and those stats? I have not. Well, here's one that uh, kind of, wow, I never expected this. Because I thought we were really good when it comes uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And we are, in many respects. But I thought we were really much better than this when it came to defensive rebounding. However, uh, apparently I thought wrong. I saw this stat, um, and he says, defensive rebounding rate. We're 13th in the SEC and 279th in the nation. Where did I go wrong? Because I thought that was one of our uh, strengths, guys. Yeah, with uh, with rebounding just as a whole. Well, I mean, if it 
it stands to reason if you're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds, you're not going to rank very highly just in rebounding as a whole. I mean, every team still plucks more defensive rebounds than they give offensive rebounds. So if Auburn's allowing on the defensive end a lot of those offensive rebounds, they're not going to total rebounding uh, very, very highly. And, and you know, it, it, we've talked about this before. Uh, I believe Janai Broom is a solid rebounder. He He's collected several double-digit rebound games. And there's other guys on this team that should be good rebounders too, and I think there are a couple other good rebounders. I think Alan Flanagan has rebounded the ball very well. Uh, Carwell's efficiency rebounding is pretty good, but still, as a whole, it's kind of it's it's pretty puzzling why they're not uh, ranked a little higher. I don't know if it's just because they don't get anything from their guards or what, but certainly their their wings and their big men uh, it would stand to reason should rank pretty highly, and, and obviously they don't. Well, and uh, yet I see these. Really encouraging uh, stats for scoring defense. We're third in the SEC and twenty third nationally. Yep, I mean it's been a good defensive team all year long, no doubt about that. And then our efficiency rating, according to Ken Palm, uh, is ninety one point one, which is third in the SEC and tenth in the nation. Uh, we're doing really good on opponent shooting percentage. Uh, we're third in the SEC and eighth in the country on that. And I bet the three-point percentage is good, too, because not many teams yeah. have hit some threes on Auburn lately either. Yeah, it's very good. We're second in the SEC and second in the nation wow. in opponent three-point field goal percentage. That's awesome, obviously, yeah. Now, we're not a good in this category. This may kill us in the end. We are 13th in the SEC and 288 when it comes to opponents' free-throw rates. So allowing a lot of free-throws, essentially? Fouling a lot? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I will say that that is – I know this sounds counterintuitive, but sometimes that does signify a really good defense because what it signifies is a very aggressive defense. And honestly, some coaches believe that if you're not fouling, you're not trying very hard on defense. Now, every coach will talk about wanting to limit fouls because everyone knows free throws, no defense for them, and they just help the other team out a lot. But sometimes fouling is just a lot of aggressiveness, and so – it doesn't always mean that the defense is struggling uh, as a whole. And obviously with these stats, Auburn is fouling a lot, and that's in general not great. But as a whole, their defense is still quite good. Well, you may laugh at this because uh, I'm trying to find some humor. But when I saw those stats, they're talking about Katie Johnson. <laughs> uh, certainly he, but then also you know Dylan Cardwell in the time he's out there. I know he's only out there 10 to 15 minutes a game. He usually gets in foul trouble pretty quickly because he's trying to block shots and he ends up you know losing verticality sometimes so yeah there's definitely a couple guys with high foul rates yeah i just find it just me obviously be my bias but it seems like you know whenever katie's got the ball and he goes towards the basket he's the one that gets called for foul not the other end not the opponent right yeah no he he's definitely had a lot of a lot of foul trouble uh overall for sure final stat block rates where do you think we stand there? In block rate. Uh, it was going to be very high, but it's not been as high lately. In the SEC, I'm going to go fourth or so. We're first. First. Okay, still first. All right. They've yeah. been, and all right. even surprisingly, uh, we are fourth in the nation. Wow. Yeah, the, I mean, I know they were first in the nation for a while. It felt like they had not been as robust recently, but obviously still overall still quite good. And this is not too bad a uh, uh, stat here. We're fifth in the SEC in stealing and 29th in the nation in steal rates. So uh, I just thought I'd share some of those uh, stats with you. All right. Um, moving on, guys, I've yet to see a, a line come out 
I guess it's too early on A and M. I know we talked about it yesterday. Have you guys seen the Vegas line yet? I uh, sure have I not, haven't. but I, ex- no. I expect the over under to be quite low, just given the the pace of play for these teams and A and M. Like, oh, you know what? I've got a line, Steve. Actually, I lied to you. I've got a line. I've got seven. I've got six. Six. Okay. Yep. I've got six. Auburn only by six. That's. I, I figured it was going to be six or seven. Yeah, I thought yes, it might be four to six. Uh, so that's not surprising then. No. All right, stick with basketball real quickly. Uh, and we were before I got on the show, uh, we were talking with each other, Ryan. And you know the gentleman. I, I unfortunately, I've never heard of the guy's name. Uh, and that's Mr. Antoine Davis. Right. I just saw uh, an article on him from Bleacher Report. I said, "Well, who is he?" Well, apparently, he is Pistol Pete Maravich's competition <laughs> because it says on here. Uh, and I've never heard of Detroit Mercy. Have they ever made the NCAA tournament? Uh, not recently. I know they play in the Horizon. They're not one of the better Horizon programs. But, I mean, did they make a random one in, like, 2004 or something? I, I don't know. I don't think they've made one recently, though. The, the last time they made an NCAA tournament appearance was back in 2012, and that's when they won their conference tournament. Okay. There you go. About okay. 10 years. Good to know. Well, anyway, the reason he's on here is because he is – get this. He uh, says here from Beach Report, he's the number um, – in Division One, he's basketball's second leading scorer all time. Yeah, he's racked it up for a lot of years, and uh, I recall that he made a draft. He was trying to make a decision between the draft and coming back to Detroit last year and the transfer, and it just it was a very big selling point still that Mike Davis, his father, is still the coach of Detroit Mercy. So that's ultimately what he decided to do. But he would have had a lot of options to transfer if he had decided to. Well, here's the remarkable stuff. He leads the nation, didn't know that, in scoring. Yep. 26.4, but this is the more remarkable why they talked about him. He so far uh, has played 132 games, according to them. He has scored 3,288 points. So the only person left to, uh, to tie that record is him to Pete Maravich. Of course, Pete Maravich, though, get this scored 3,667 points in only 83 games. That's a lot of scoring. Yeah. Uh, Pete Maravich averaged to get this 44.2 points per game, his average. Yeah, that's that, that, that's a lot. Now, it says here that Davis has 10 regular season games left, plus at least one maybe conference tourney. Sure. And they said that he can, if he averages 34.5 <laughs> per game, he can – he can actually uh, meet and maybe exceed and beat Pistol Pete's Maravich uh, total points, but in a lot more games than Pete ever played, though. Right. Sounds like he's. Sounds like they need to make a run in the conference tournament, give him a few extra games to be able to get there. Their 34 games going to be a bit much. So I just wondered, why is he be talked about? Uh, I haven't heard his name being mentioned very much on ESPN or other uh, sports uh, podcast. Yeah, uh, just just because it's Detroit, you know. I mean, it's. I mean, there's 360 basketball programs, and they're probably like the 300th most popular. I say Detroit and, Mercy is eight and 13 this year. Yeah, so that may be. they've not been yeah. good as a team, and so you know they but just. just his, I saw for the, his his individual stats, he ought to be talked about. You know, he should. He's yeah, leading scorer in the nation. Right. I mean, and I think you'll you might hear it a little bit more at the very end of the season once conference tournament time comes because they might talk about watch out for Detroit in the horizon just watch him but uh, yeah no I mean being the leading scorer is still very significant no matter what what conference you play in and uh, by the way Steve only got about one minute left before the hour break here 
Okay. Well, since we like to talk about people uh, and uh, their, you know, how good they are in the NFL, uh, how about Mr. Tom Brady? Uh, I didn't know this until Rick Stroud at NFL uh, had this tweet uh, from Tom Brady, and he said on a podcast podcast with Jim Gray called "Let's Go." Right. We. Well, you know about that? Yeah, we we both we all I think we all saw that the yeah bleep yeah. part that we again cannot yeah, say I on air. If I was going to F and do, I'd already F and be doing right. it. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Uh, so thanks for that. So uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, tomorrow, guys, if I can get back some more rambling, uh, I'd like to talk about some interesting, uh, I guess, insights from Philip Marshall about the five uh, star and five star players that are not going to be among the playoff teams heading to the Super Bowl. All right. Yeah, sure. The people that we think should be in there are not even on there. In fact, we have some walk-ons that are going to be on both these teams that would have probably people would have never known who are these guys. Sure. Yep. Uh, okay. With that said, thank you for your time, guys. I look forward. Um, I heard uh, yesterday Keith's comments about Alabama. He's right, straight on. Uh, I hope to God we can find a way by then to uh, – uh, find a way to, to stop Brandon Miller and Clowney and uh, Quinterly. Is he not graduate? He's what is he forty years old now? <laughs> yeah, Quinterly, four, uh, third or fourth year at Alabama. Three years at Alabama. Years? Yeah, at least forty. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks for your time. I don't know what time is way if I hear the music. But with that, have a safe afternoon, and we'll talk to you more afternoon. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. That is retired Ward MC there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back, James from Montgomery will be in hour number two. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer at 4.30. Stay tuned. A lot more here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two underway of this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here. Having a good time. Appreciate Retired Word MC for calling in hour number one. We also talked a little bit about the coordinator situation in Alabama coming up here in hour number two. More of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. And at 4.30, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. We will talk a lot about Auburn basketball. Uh, a successful week last week. A couple of home games coming up here in the near future. Got Texas A&M tomorrow, so we'll preview that game and uh, a lot more. And also, uh, something near and dear to Justin's heart, big movie guy and Oscar nominations came out 
today, so we're going to ask uh, some his th- uh, some of his thoughts on that on some fun with Ferg. But all right, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins the program. James, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. <laughs> yes. Um, I know that uh, y'all are going to be talking about the Alabama uh, recruiting, if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, we, we just talked about their coordinator since Bill O'Brien left for, uh, for the New England Patriots. Yes, because I did. Um, I actually did see that Bill O'Brien uh, got added to the New England Play- Patriots um, uh, staff team as well. And I think he is a really good uh, offensive coordinator for Alabama. And I've actually seen uh, Bill O'Brien uh, last uh, last month when I was at the Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa, and um, he's really done an amazing job with the University of Alabama's offensive coordinator, um, you know, line, the offensive line for Alabama, and they really need to hire somebody that's going to, like, come from another, from another university to actually fill that spot at the University of Alabama. Yeah, we'll see uh, who they get. There, there's a lot of names circulating out there. How would you feel about former Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett being the offensive coordinator at Alabama? Um, yes, I would I would definitely uh, see Jason Garrett uh, actually fill that void and fill that spot because Jason Garrett, he was the head coach at one point in time in his coaching career with the Dallas Cowboys, and I think that would be a really good thing for Jason Garrett to actually, you know, step into another uh, into another place in, in uh, football instead of, you know, from the NFL to college, I think Alabama would. Um, I, I'm I'm an Auburn fan, so I don't know what the Alabama fans are thinking, um, what their uh, takes on that as well. So I'm just trying to see who's gonna who's gonna fill that uh, void for the University of Alabama as well yep it will be uh, very interesting to see and James I know this is the first time you uh, we've talked to you since that Cowboys game we we were sorry that the, the Cowboys were not yeah. able to pull it through but uh, it was still a fun season yes it was it was a it was a it was a it was a windy season for us as well because I mean I'm a Cowboys fan so that's why I said it was like a windy season for us because I know um, you know it, it's I mean, with Dak Prescott, I I didn't see any any improvements um, since Dak got hurt and he came back. So with the NFL draft coming around right around the corner, I'll probably see like CJ Uyunglele being picked, you know, for the Dallas Cowboys because I think he might be the key, the missing key link to the Cowboys uh, franchise team as well. Yeah, he he did. Uh, he transferred actually. DJ did uh, from Clemson, went out to the Pac-12 school. Uh, so you know, CJ Stroud will be picked high in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce Young probably go first or second overall, uh, depending on the team. And then I know some people like Will Levis out of Kentucky. So I, I don't know if Cowboys are going to go quarterback just because how much they're paying Dak Prescott. But the teams in the top five or ten will have a couple different quarterbacks to choose from. Yes, as well, because I did, um, over the week, I did see the Polynesian Bowl, and they were talking about, like, the different um, players that are, you know, from the Polynesian descent in Hawaii. I know uh, Tuatanga Valoa, he's a Polynesian uh, descent from Hawaii. Um, Troy Palamalu, 
and many others that are that are playing in the NFL that are Polynesian descent from Hawaii, and I actually got a chance to see the first time. This was my first time this year since the pandemic to actually see the Polynesian Bowl actually being played in uh, Hawaii as well. And it was one uh, one of the greatest games to ever that I will ever remember as as a long time NFL fan as well. You looking forward to the Senior Bowl coming up next week? Um, yes, I am actually uh, watching the Senior Bowl. I never missed a Senior Bowl since. And I always watch it, and I sit back and I observe some of the some of the quarterbacks, some of the wide receivers, some of the tight ends, some of the defensive ends, defensive backs. And I just study how they're going to play when they come to the NFL and see what what's really going to be of their uh, – of their greatness as well. Yeah, you, you can't wait to see some of the future NFL stars on the Senior Bowl. I know Auburn's got a couple players down there. Derek Hall, Echo Liotta were two guys that were down there for the press conference yesterday. And so mm-hmm. uh, it, it's going to be a, a fun time for, for the Senior Bowl down in Mobile next week. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I'm actually uh, counting down the days to the NBA uh, All-Star weekend and it's going to be one that i would not want to miss this one it's going to be really fun they're going to actually do um i think friday they're going to do the uh press conference on friday then saturday they're going to do the uh tournament it's going to be like a i think it's like a three-on-three tournament if i'm if I'm uh, looking at that right, because I was looking at it on the NBA app, and they said that they were going to do like a three-on-three tournament for charity as well. And then in February, they're actually doing a, I think on February the 18th, they're doing the HBCU Classic. And that's going to be a really good game as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, It it should be. And uh, I know uh, you were talking about – all these all-star games between the NBA all-star weekend and the pro bowl activities. And are overall, are you a fan that the pro bowl is going to uh, start having some of these cool games or would you rather them see them rather see them play a football game? I love the cool games because I think this year they're when they actually did the promo for this year's 2023 pro uh, pro bowl, they said they were going to do, uh, the flag football, and once they said flag football, I was like, I want to be out there with those guys. I want to be out there in Las Vegas, you know, throwing the football with somebody catching me, you know, trying to rip a flag off me. But with with that being said, I would love to be out there in Las Vegas on the field with those guys playing with some of the great NFL uh, players that I've actually looked up to for years. Yeah, I think a lot of people would love to play some of those games, and those are games that we could all play at home in, uh, in a lot of cases. I mean, if they end up playing some dodgeball and that sort of thing, and uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff can be a lot of fun. Yes, as well, and then I'm actually counting down the days to the Super Bowl as well and seeing if uh, Joe Burrow is actually going to beat Patrick Mahomes for the fourth time this uh, AFC season this coming up uh, Sunday, so I think with Patrick Mahomes being injured, I think the Kansas City Chiefs would uh, take that win, and then for the Super Bowl, I would like to see the Kansas City Chiefs, and um, not the Kansas City Chiefs, but the Cincinnati Bengals and the 
Philadelphia Eagles meet up in the Super Bowl as well. And Joe Burrow uh, wins the Vince Lombardi Trophy. And um, one of our guys that plays on the Cincinnati Bengals from Auburn, um, I don't know who's on the Bengals uh, roster from Auburn as well. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head either. I know C.J. Uzama was last year when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, but he signed with the New York Jets in the offseason, so I'm not aware. I don't think there is a Bengals player uh, that reigns from Auburn. I'll double-check things, but I think it was Uzama, and, and now he's with the Jets. Yeah, so I'm just saying, I'm just thinking that the Cincinnati Bengals, I know they're going to win, and that would be like their first, well, not their first time, because that, that would be, uh, you know, incorrect for me to say that, because I've seen the Cincinnati Bengals actually meet up with uh, the, Can- the Kansas City Chiefs, but I think this time will be their third uh, consecutive appearance in the Super Bowl as well, and if they beat... Um, if they beat Jalen Hurts, the Eagles, they have to bring it this coming up weekend against the San Francisco 49ers. And I would, I'm actually picking the um, Eagles to actually either win or lose it. So I don't know what, where is it going to go actually. But if they do not win, then I'll just have to see uh, the Cincinnati Bengals play somebody else as well so i don't know who cincinnati will play in the super bowl as well yeah obviously it's going to be the only four teams remaining it's going to be either the Bengals or the chiefs in the afc and either the eagles or the 49ers in the nfc so uh those are the four options as the only four teams that could win the super bowl this year but for a lot of people's money those have been the four of the best teams in the league all year long so they should be fun matchups this weekend Yes, I saw. And then for the Super Bowl, I would probably say that the Cincinnati Bengals and the 49ers would actually meet up in Super Bowl 57 as well. And it's one of the uh, classic historic matchups I've uh, looked at on the research on these two teams. They've met in the Super Bowl. They've played in Super Bowls. Um, I've seen highlights from uh, years past from the Cincinnati Bengals and the 49ers. And it's going to be a it's going to be a really good show as well and then for the halftime show they're actually going to be doing uh the halftime show is going to be um the musical guest will be rihanna for the halftime show so that will be a really good thing as well yeah they always get a very big uh performer for uh, halftime sometimes it's a band sometimes it's multiple performers and, and rihanna is certainly big time so uh the, the super bowl is also just a great event overall Yes, as well, and this will be my fourth time actually hosting the uh, Super Bowl watch party here at my parents' house as well. So we always, uh, the week before the Super Bowl, we always get chips, we get dip, we get beer, we get wings. We just go all out, and it's just a party, you know, the week before the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, you got to go out for the Super Bowl. Uh, got to go all out for the Super Bowl. I know I always... Uh... I go to Buffalo Wild Wings a lot, James, and so I accrue a lot of rewards points, and then I use those rewards points usually for free wings uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. So I uh, I usually buy a bunch of wings too. It's it's a great food for the for the Super Bowl. Yes, as well because if I if I can't watch it here at my parents' house, I might go out to like Hooters or uh, Buffalo Wild Wings somewhere where they're showing the uh, Super Bowl as well. 
Absolutely. Well, James, do you have any final thoughts for us before we let you go today? Um, yes, I actually do have some final thoughts. Um, I know that tomorrow, I know that Auburn will be playing Texas A&M. And then I have on the betting uh, money line, I've actually put $200 down favorite on uh, Auburn to actually win in tomorrow's game as well. Well, uh, we, we have even more reasons, 200 more reasons, than to be exact why we want Auburn to win. Yes, as well. And then after this big win, I will call you all on um, what? Uh, what? Thursday and tell you all the final score for that game on Wednesday. Sounds good, James. Well, we appreciate you calling in today. All right. Thanks, Sam. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate James for calling in. All right. Let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins the program. Daryl, how are you doing? Hello. I'll try to make it short. Uh, one one uh, purpose of my call is piggybacking on a Steve's comment about potential guests, and he mentioned David Housel, which he's not only knowledgeable sports, but he's a sports legend, not in the playing, but being sports information director, and I think he was athletic director in the 80s. I believe so. Yeah, yeah he, he was. was. And, and, in the, and, uh, and in the, in the 90s. 90s. Yeah, it, it just, that, uh, you know, I grew up knowledgeable about Auburn football since I was seven and Pat Sullivan and Terry Beasley was there and just have been hooked ever since. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, and then uh and in regard to David, I'm not sure if you had him as a guest it'd be enough time to uh, talk to him about everything he's knowledgeable about. You'd it'd be a hard interview to conduct. Yeah, there would there would be a lot of different ways to go with it. I know he would be uh, very very tough to get on the program too, uh, just a busy man. But uh, but uh, yeah, uh, certainly he's an Auburn legend, and a lot of people revere him. And then uh, evidently, sports gurus in Auburn congregate at Chappie's Deli. I'm not trying to put a plug in for a non-sponsor. Hey, but yeah, no, I uh, he has the back booth. That... I, I may or may not have eaten there yesterday, Daryl. Okay, well, if, have you been there recently? I sure have. I was indeed there yesterday. Okay. Well, in the front door, I've never eaten there. I'm too cheap for it. But I, when I'm riding my bike, I go through that <laughs> by the CVS going to the library. But I noticed in the uh, window at Chappie's Deli, evidently he published a book. Yep, from the back booth at Chappie's. Yep. Yep. Well, and then uh, I digress. Uh, you have Justin Ferguson coming on? Yep, in just about 10 minutes. Okay. Well, food for thought, if you want to talk something besides sports, uh, Stan Lee is 100 years old. Do you know who Stan Lee is? Uh, you're talking about the creator of, of Marvel? and uh... Yeah, yeah, which goes back to Big Bang Theory, one of my favorite shows. And recently I've started watching, it started off with Smallville, now I'm watching Flash and Spider-Man, and I'm just reliving my youth with that you know and they're great shows but if y'all run out of t- sports to talk about with uh ferg you can bring that up okay all right sounds great all right well let's go i'm anxious to hear that interview and i listen to you guys every day uh well, we appreciate that daryl and we appreciate you calling in today okay, okay. Bye. that is uh daryl from auburn joining us on our auburn bank phone line is stan lee i guess would be 100 right now he did pass away uh, back in 2018 but uh, obviously did a uh, wonderful job in the superhero universe and with Marvel. Uh, a lot of people, uh, 
you know, always enjoyed his little cameos in a lot of his uh, films that he was involved in. Uh, would always be, you know, like that's just a fun. And this could we really could ask Ferg about this because we are planning to talk a little bit movie with him uh, when the director or when the creator or something has a little cameo, like the, be working in a coffee shop or oh, yeah. just passing by on the side of the street. That's always a fun little little Easter egg type of deal. Um, like, yeah, it, yeah. like Stephen King does that sometimes in some of his stuff. Yeah. Famous uh, uh, Christmas movie, the, A Christmas Story. Uh, the Gene Shepard, who is like the creator of it and the narrator, is the guy in there when Ralphie is getting ready to get in line to go see Santa, and the guy's like, hey, kid, the line starts back there. That's same thing. That's There you go. Same deal. Uh, do we we like those? Those were oh, I love yeah. I love any sort of like little Easter eggs that are in movies like that that you don't know until you go back afterwards and you're like oh my gosh okay yeah yeah I those uh, are always so cool they they are and uh, Stan Lee definitely did a lot of that Brooks I mean you're still watching everything Marvel oh and, yeah uh, I I don't know if they're doing constant Easter eggs I mean obviously they're tying I mean, all their every, everything has an Easter egg in it to something True. it's all it's all somehow everything's tied back and together and this that and the other way and everything it, it's you know it, it's fun because you and especially because you um you know because the whole series is tied together and you know everything something will happen in one movie and you'll be like oh that's you know that was cool and then it'll have immediate you know it'll have repercussions in another movie or tv show and you'll immediately be like oh my gosh like like the the new one coming out ant-man mm-hmm. quantum um, mania yeah the the main uh villain that's going to be in there has ties back to loki and you're there's there's so many you know there's different ties in there and it's you're you you watch it and you're like wow this is you know everything's tied together so the Easter eggs are everywhere in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and yeah. Stan Lee was you know great at, at at making those little cameos and it was always it was always comedic cameos too it was never you know not not a lot of like serious like you know everything was very you know had a comedic backdrop to it when he was on the screen now do you like when uh, movies put like a famous actor. In like a scene that's not really like a part a character in the movie, but they're just like, hey, this is here's Ryan Reynolds right here, you know. For example, do you like? Are you just more of the just the creator director type of thing? No, I I'm, I think it'd be fun. You know, I think it's fun when you you know you throw in like a you know a famous actor somewhere, and you you have to really look for them. It's like you know you you look at the credits and say. Oh hey, Leonardo DiCaprio was in this movie. You're like, no, he wasn't. And then you got to go back and you, then you see, like, oh my gosh, he was. He was right there in the background. Yeah, that that, that stuff's always very clever and um, just a little little spice, I guess, to to some things. I did watch uh, Avatar: Way of Water last night, and uh, that was not really okay. There wasn't really any cameos, not really Easter eggs or anything like that. But uh, I did want to bring that up because. Uh, I went to uh, the Big D Theater and was all by myself. So I was basically just able to, not like I was talking out loud to myself, but just chuckle and uh, just act like I was at my living room at home, basically, uh, while watching that. Living room got an upgrade. And uh, a three-hour and 12- or 14-minute movie, and thoroughly enjoyed that. That's uh, up for Best Picture of the Oscars. And uh, we're going to ask Ferg. 
uh, about some of that after this timeout. We're going to talk to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer coming up in just a few minutes here to talk all things Auburn basketball and, again, little Oscar stuff too as you listen to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here today. Fun show so far, halfway through this Tuesday edition. And now it's time to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line as we're, again, thrilled to bring on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Today is a big day uh, for uh, Auburn basketball, more Bruce Pearl interviews, more uh, more buzz with Auburn basketball, and then also Oscar Day, Oscar nominee day. We will get to fun with Ferg and that in just a few minutes. But, Justin, I uh, hope you are well today. And, again, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, so for Auburn basketball, let's start with that before we get to fun with Ferg in a few minutes. And uh, last week was another big week for the Tigers. couple of road victories for Auburn as they went to LSU and won and went to South Carolina and won again. Just to kind of recap last week for Auburn. Yeah, no, it was a good uh, week for Auburn because, you know, winning on the road in the SEC is, is not easy. You know, it's not something that you, you know, do very often. Uh, at the rate that Auburn did. Now, did Auburn play arguably the two worst teams in the SEC uh, last week? Yes, they did. Uh, LSU and South Carolina are both kind of going through it. New head coaches, they hit the reset button this year with their rosters. However, uh, you know, you have to point out uh, the fact that Auburn, I think, did a really good job of taking care of business um, and playing the way they're supposed to. Both of those games, LSU and South Carolina, had little stretches where you know, the other team uh, got back into it a little bit or, you know, uh, made a run and, and tried to make things interesting. But Auburn had a really good response each time. They did that. I think their offense is executing a lot better here recently. They're taking care of the ball more. Um, and, you know, they're, they're also doing a good job of really, you know, playing to their strengths on offense. Um, the seniors, the veterans are really taking, you know, taking that step forward and leading the way for everybody. Uh, and I think Auburn is – been a better team for it. And of course, Justin, Auburn has this uh, unique kind of record-breaking streak right now as ter- in terms of the 31 consecutive weeks in the AP poll that Auburn just set a new program record for. They have the nation's longest home winning streak, uh, which again will be tested tomorrow. But just of those two streaks, I mean, which one feels more significant or just which one? I mean, they're both something to be proud of, but, but which one do you feel has been more difficult for Auburn to accomplish? You know, I would think it would probably be, um, you know, winning, you know, staying ranked all this this season. I mean, last year we knew this was a good team, and they really stepped it up and they played well. But you look at so many teams that have had to hit the reset button this year in the in college basketball, losing you know key players, star players, you know, making that making that move, making that transition. 
Um, you know, for the fact that Auburn isn't as talented of a team, obviously, as they were last year, but the fact that they have been able to win enough to stay ranked uh, for this long, I think it's more significant. You know, you look at the home winning streak, and yeah, there's some really good wins in there against some, some you know, good opponents. Um, but, you know, the fact that Auburn's winning enough away from home um, to, you know, maintain this kind of run, I think it's pretty significant, especially when you look at the fact that, like, Duke, you know, fell out of the top 25 this, this season. Kentucky fell out of the top 25 this season. Arkansas has fallen out of the top 25 this season. So for Auburn to be a team that's been a little bit more consistent than some of the biggest names in the sport uh, and, some, and some top rivals here in the SEC, I think that speaks volumes to, you know, kind of the consistency that Bruce Pearl has, has maintained. Well, talking about consistency and uh, consistency on the court in particular, uh, this team does not shoot the three very well. And so how big is it, in your words, to have consistency from a guy like Janai Broom on that inside to give them that presence on the inside so they're not having to rely on what is just bad three-point shooting? Yeah, no, this is a team that I think has done a really good job of playing to their strengths. Um, Janai Broom had a matchup against South Carolina where he just really dominated it, uh, kind of came back, um, and did a really good job of, you know, playing to his strengths in, in there. I think Jalen Williams also. I mean, Jalen's a guy who obviously can shoot the three and has done a good job of shooting the three this season for Auburn. But the fact that he, you know, is a guy that can score in the paint, um, a guy that is pretty good at the little mid-range game, those kind of leaners in the, in, you know, the painted area, I think are really, really big for him. Um, this team's getting downhill a lot more. You see, you know, Wendell Green Jr. Um, draws more fouls than pretty much any. Um, you know, I think he draws more fouls than any power conference guard in the country uh, does. And he's shooting a great percentage from the free throw line. I think Alan Flanagan's doing a much better job of that as well. And they're taking care of the ball. You know, outside that Mississippi State game, during this winning streak, they're not turning it over a ton. And so they're taking better shots. They're getting second and third opportunities because they are good offensive rebounding teams. And yeah, they're not, they're not, you know, taking bad shots on a higher at a higher rate and you know going one and done. So it, it has been big for them. Um, and then tomorrow when they play Texas A and M, you know, A and M's a team that's got an awesome interior defense, um, and they give up a lot of shots from the outside. They're going to want to try to force Auburn to shoot from deep. And I think it could be like the Mississippi State game where they could, you know, get, get some consistency out there and hit some shots and make them pay. However, you know, like you said, this is not a team that shoots super consistently from deep. So even if you have those opportunities, you still got to be able to take advantage of some of your best players. And for Auburn, that's in the front court. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on this uh, Tuesday edition of Sports World. Justin, let's turn to – this Auburn and Texas A&M matchup. Texas A&M, a team where Auburn has had some difficulties with this team under Buzz Williams and just with A&M program as a whole, and even particularly at home a couple of times. Run us through kind of the recent history of these two teams and, and what Bruce Pearl's talking about as uh, as some big matchups in this game. Well, I think you can just go back to the SEC tournament game last year when Texas A&M beat Auburn, and Auburn you know really didn't play well that game at all, and it was kind of you know, not the beginning of the end for them. I mean, they did beat Jacksonville State in the, um, you know, in the NCAA tournament. But yeah, this is an A&M team that is so super physical. They play really like tough nosed basketball. They're one of the best teams in the SEC in rebounding. They're one of the best teams in the SEC on the inside in terms of the, um, you know, offense and defense. They get to the free throw line. They hit their free throws pretty well. Um, this is a team that's just kind of gritty and grinded out type of uh, team. They don't shoot particularly well from deep. 
they've got experience. So you got guys like Henry Coleman, uh, Tyrese Radford, Wade Taylor, guys that you know really gave Auburn trouble last year in that matchup. They're back. Uh, you know, Julius Marble is a transfer they got from Michigan State, who has been a really good pickup with um, uh, you know with Coleman in the front court. So this, I mean, this A and team reminds me a lot of Mississippi State. They've just done what Mississippi State's done this season a little bit more consistently than them because um, they've got they've got more experience coming back. They've got more consistency. They're, you know, Buzz Williams is still there. They're not. It's not a new coaching staff. So I think this game's gonna be very much like the Mississippi State game was. It ain't gonna be for the faint of heart. There's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of fighting. There's gonna be a lot of a lot of you know it's gonna be. It's going to be tough to get rebounds, get inside shots. It's going, to be, it's going to be a war zone out there. But for Auburn, can you play well and do the things you've been doing here recently in front of your home crowd and you know, know that you're going to have to really strap it up and, and play super well um, tomorrow night because A&M is going to physically really challenge Auburn, uh, especially down low. And then, Justin, we're not going to get to uh, chat with you before the weekend, so I want to go ahead and get your takes on coming up this weekend. SEC Big 12 Challenge, Auburn goes up to Morgantown, West Virginia, difficult place to play. What are your thoughts on that matchup for the Tigers? Yeah, don't look at West Virginia's record and think they're a bad team by any means. Um, this, is a, this is a team that um, I think every one of you know, West Virginia's games um, here recently have been quad one games. The Big 12 is brutal. Um, you know, this is a team. This is a conference where, if you look at the quality of it, you could have a team not win, um, not have a winning record, and still make the NCAA tournament. That's just how good they are. Uh, I'll, I'll point out, like, I mean, it's it's a Bob Huggins team. They're at home. They're always going to be really good on the defensive defensive end of the floor. And yeah, just don't look at the record and think, oh, you know, this is a team that that Auburn, you know, can win easily. No, I think this is going to be a really tough game. I wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia's favored in it just because of how tough they are in Morgantown. And to give you an example, you know, last week they beat TCU, which is, you know, something that's pretty impressive considering TCU then turned around and went to, you know, uh, out in Fieldhouse last Saturday and blew the doors off of a number two Kansas team. So, I mean, it's just the Big 12 so brutal. Um, and this is going to be another very physical experience, know what they're doing on, on the defensive end of the floor team. Uh, for West Virginia, so it is going to be a tough matchup. If Auburn goes into Morgantown and comes out with a win, uh, it would be one of the biggest wins they could get all year. And of course, Ferg, this is going to be the last SEC Big 12 challenge for the foreseeable future because of the new deal where it's going to become like an SEC-ACC challenge in future years. Uh, are you going to miss the SEC Big 12? Do you prefer the, the ACC stepping in as the conference that the SEC is going to kind of align with? Just What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I like the ACC matchups better because I think there's just more history there. There's more, you know, you know, crossover um, historically. You know, for an Auburn team to get the chance to play a North Carolina or a Virginia or you know any of those tobacco road teams um, would be really cool. I mean, I think that's I think there's a little bit more juice to that than you know, playing Oklahoma or Iowa State or um, West Virginia, which I mean, all are really good teams, um, obviously, and they're quality opponents. But you know, I, I do think just kind of stylistically. I prefer the ACC. However, I will have to say, this hasn't been the best year for SEC basketball. It hasn't been a great year for ACC basketball either, and the Big 12 is just getting brutal and brutal every year. Uh, we'll see how that looks because, I mean, they're losing Texas and Oklahoma, but that's not kind of the foundation of what makes Big 12 basketball so good. So, you know, I think also, I mean, it, there's a chance that 
the 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 for the league in, in general, um, the competition gets a little bit easier just because of how how good the Big Twelve has been compared to the ACC here in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, historically, we know the ACC to probably be the best conference in college basketball, but the last couple of years, it has certainly. Uh, taking a step back. We're talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. All right, time for a little fun with Ferg. Now, we know, Justin, you are a huge movie guy. We have talked about that on this show before. And today, the Academy uh, released its uh, nominees for the, for the Oscars coming up here in March. Uh, what were your takeaways from it, and what film are you hoping just kind of racks it up at the Oscars in March? Personally, I would really like it for uh, everything, everywhere, all at once to get um, to, to to have a big day at the awards. Just because it is my favorite movie of the ones that have been nominated. I haven't seen all of them. There's a few good ones on that list, especially the Best Picture nominees that I have not gotten around to yet. That I'm looking forward to seeing. Like, you know, I haven't seen uh, Manchies of Ish and Aaron. Uh, I haven't seen um, you know After Sun. There's a couple other like really good, not as highly known movies uh, that are out that are Best Picture noms. Um, that I'm looking forward to seeing. But everything, everywhere, all at once, it was so unique. It was so different. Um, it was so original, um, you know, that I, I, I'm glad it's getting rewarded. I thought it was fantastic. I think, you know, all of the performances in there were great. And I just hope that, you know, it can win as many awards as it can. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and in terms of my other big takeaway, you know, just I haven't watched this movie yet, but I know what it's about, and I kinda, I'm kind of surprised. Um, you know, it came out last month or a month and a half ago. Uh, Damien Chazelle, who did uh, La La Land and um, Whiplash and other really good movies like that, um, did Babylon. And it got, you know, got a lot of buzz, but didn't really get nominated for a ton. And it felt like he just spent $80 million on, on Oscar bait and it didn't work. Um, so that's pretty rare to see like a obvious Oscar bait movie not get the love that a lot of people thought it might have gotten. Uh, from the academy so uh, that was my other big one that you know i thought that dude was just gonna be it was so clearly he was aiming up to like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna write a movie about the movies and people are gonna love it it's gonna win all the awards and kind of flopped and that when that was surprising to me yeah and look you know obviously box office success is not does not really correlate to awards at all uh, right. But but I mean you're right. Uh, Babylon it looked it looked good from the previews I saw. You know when you got Margot Robbie and you got uh, Brad Pitt, Tobey Maguire. Obviously there's others. Great cast. But yeah, the eighty million dollar budget. I think it made like fifteen million in the U S. Yeah. Which is just yeah, always <laughs> always concerning. Uh, I did see obviously I I saw the big giant last night Avatar Way of Water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, just as good as the first one in my opinion. I don't know if you've seen. Um, seen them, but uh, I went to the the Big D showing in Auburn and was the only person in a, in the Big D theater, so that was always. Oh, okay, that's uh, sick because I I haven't seen it yet. Um, I am one of those people who like I I get why James Cameron made a very long movie, and I get why movies <laughs> are very long now. But like I, it's not like even an attention thing. It's just like something about me just like Do I really sit there and watch a whole movie for like three and a half hours. Um, so I haven't gotten around to it yet. But I do want to get to it before it goes away from theaters because I think obviously with a movie, you know, with just the technical and, and visual just kind of masterpiece that, you know, the first one was and obviously this one's going to be as well. Like I, I, wanted, I want to see it and experience it in the Big D. I have never pulled off the I'm the only one in the Big D theater <laughs> experience. Now, I've done that plenty of times with smaller screens sure. than over in Opelika. 
but not the not the big one. I, I I would have I would have acted like a fool in there. Obviously, I'd have been like laying. I would have been like laying down like I was in bed. I would have been walking around. You know, I'd have, <laughs> yeah, cha- I'd, I'd have done all of it. Yeah, change the city location up every you know forty five minutes. Yeah. That way, you could sit like five different places during the course of yeah. Avatar. Yeah, get a different yeah get a different angle for every for every act. You know, it'd been it'd been pretty good. Absolutely, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer again uh, with us here. Uh, just about each and every Tuesday, Justin. We're always grateful for the time. What do you have going on at the Observer right now? Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a good week here at the Observer. Um, we uh, did a story today on uh, on on Jarquez Hunter, and you know I don't know if anybody else you know kind of picked up on this, but Jarquez Hunter um, averaged more yards per carry last season than any running back who's had a hundred carries in a season in over thirty five years. Um, you got to go way, way back to find the the last time a high volume Auburn running back was as successful as him. Guys, if you look at the numbers, he's in line to potentially be like an All SEC running back next season. That's just how good Jarquez Hunter could be um, in this system. So, do a story on that. Got a basketball preview coming up tomorrow um, with the A and M game and writing some other things about uh, Auburn hoops. Um, we did a new episode. Actually, Painter and the guys did a new episode of Friends of the Program. They posted this morning, and it did not. There were some technical difficulties. Uh, it's kind of towards the end of it, so we had to pull it down. We're going to put it back up uh, later tonight, so it'll be reposted and be in everybody's feeds who are subscribers. Uh, I know a few of y'all have been asking me about that today. Um, so, yeah, you can get all that at Sign up at $6 a month or $60 for the full year. And everything we do football and basketball-wise, whether it's a podcast or a newsletter, gets sent straight to your email inbox. Justin, as always, we do appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy uh, this award season in the movie world, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs> Yep, see you guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. One final time up, timeout, excuse me, in hour number two. Sports Call will be back in just a moment. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress with me here today. Again, a big thanks to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer there for joining us on this Tuesday edition as uh, he's kind enough with his time really each and every Tuesday and awards season coming up. What was it, Brooks? We had the Critics' Choice Awards a few days ago. I think ago. so. And uh, got the SAG Awards and all that and um, you know, Fer- Ferg is very movie literate. Uh, he has seen, he's, I mean, he makes it a point to see really all the, all the top movies there. Uh, even if they're not box office darlings at all. I'm, I, I love the horror genre, but outside of that, I'm more mainstream. Um, and so I've not seen usually like a lot of people, I've not seen several of the nominees, which is sad because they're still good movies just because they don't make a lot at the box office, but uh, it is interesting. We're talking off air about the fact that Top Gun Maverick in Avatar Way of Water, two of the biggest grocers of all time, 
Uh, I think Top Gun Maverick's 10th or 11th all-time in the worldwide box office, and Avatar Way of Water's up to 5th. You don't always see the big earners be the ones to get nominated for all this stuff. And granted, I don't think they're going to win, but I mean, they, they, I'm just glad they're nominated because to a degree, you don't want to base box office success on how, how good the movie is. Cause clearly that, that does not line up. But if that many people, almost a historic amount of, of money is being right. made, that seems like a well-liked movie that needs to at least be appreciated on some level, even if it doesn't win these things. You know, and mainstream, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I, I've gotten to where I don't even – well, I've never really even followed the Academy Awards and everything, but, you know, I really don't care when a you know, winner of Best Motion Picture is some obscure film that hardly anybody has watched. I'm like – what in the what is that? Like who was in that? What is that? And you know, that wins best film or or best something, you know, best actress and and it's again some just weird obscure movie that is just not mainstream. Right. I don't I don't well, like that. Or it came out like very recently and it like hardly anybody's had a chance to, to see that. it. Yeah. Uh everything but, but when you get a movie like Top Gun or I think back like when Titanic mm-hmm. just like won so many awards you know that was a movie that at the time like everybody went to go watch that movie i mean that was just the can't miss movie do you say the same thing with any star wars how many i know john williams has won plenty of academies with his music with star wars Has star wars what have they won academy award but oh, other boy, than i don't know other than like uh he's nominated again this year yeah he john williams is the most nominated person in movie history is i think is what i read and it's just because of all the scores that he has done for some of the most classic movies you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Has but, uh, won 25 Grammy Awards, seven British Academy Film Awards, five Academy Awards, four Golden Globes. So he's won five Oscars as John Williams. John Williams? Yeah. yeah. I know he's been nominated, but nominated, I'm just saying how many right. he won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I you know, a, a movie like Top Gun – which I have not seen yet. I desperately want to because oh. I, lo- I love the first one. Was that for me or were you just no, yawning? That was, that was for you. Oh, I thought you were like yaw- loudly yawning. No. I was like, wow. No, I haven't had a chance. I wanted to go see it in the theaters. I just it just didn't. I, I'm not a big movie theater guy. And now you're going into the danger zone of a I, movie theater. I, no. no, we go every now and then. But I was trying to play off the song. No, I know. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, it, but now that was. It's, all right, so part of the problem with that is I wanted to go. Uh, the girlfriend who I would go to the movies with, not interested at all in that. And it was kind of one of those, well, you know, we'll go if you want to. But I'm like, I'm going to drag you to a movie that you don't want to see, just like I wouldn't want her to drag me to a movie I don't want to see. If we can come to an I agreement. I think she would like it, though, anyway. She's not into those types of movies. I don't know if mm-hmm. that – I think that movie transcends types, though, when it, when it makes 10th most money ever. Yeah. I don't know. Grace was was on the fence. We went to see it, and then she was. Uh, she said we should go see it more. Yeah, uh, twice. I, we saw it twice in theaters. We're out of time, uh, but I'll tell you what. The first Avatar was on the fence of seeing. I was like, I don't know if this really suits me. And then it was just so good. It was like I don't care that it's. Oh, seeing that Avatar, I'm not going to watch that because that's just a, ty- a genre of type movie that I just have no interest in. I'm telling you, I've it's never, really good. Though. I, it may be, but I've just never. 
I've never had any interest in the fantasy type movies like that. Just out of time and hour number two, more fantasy talk coming up after this timeout. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call. Getting going. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Fun chat with Justin Ferguson there in hour number two. Sparked a little Oscars debate. Oscars being in March feels later to me than normal, but... Yeah, huh. I'm always. I I think it, isn't it always like in early March? I see. I thought it was in February, so I'm a little. Then that's why I'm like. I always feel like I, I feel like it's been in March a couple times, and I always think it's late. Maybe so. I don't know. Trying to clear the way, I guess, for uh, Super Bowl to end and and all that. But uh, so fun to talk with Ferg about that coming up in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. We're gonna have a. Ticket giveaway for Auburn Gymnastics. So just hang in there a few more minutes, and we'll be doing that. And uh, fun hour number three planned again with Tom and Brooks. My name is Ryan. And uh, we've uh, talked. Tom, you've got a little smile on your face. You said you wanted to get to something. Is there a particular time that you would like to do that? or uh, Not a particular time, but, I mean, we can jump into it. Or, what Were you going to do the show recap? I mean, I, I can do the show recap. I kind of recapped it a little bit, but we can do the uh, – the official Sports Call Daily Show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show recap. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? All right, Sports Call's Daily Show recap. Again, we talked to uh, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer last hour. Talked to him about Auburn basketball and uh, about Oscars season and that sort of thing. A little unrelated sports talk there. Uh, We've had a couple of great phone calls on our Auburn Bank phone line. And again, uh, talked a little bit about Auburn basketball, also about Alabama's open coordinating positions there with the offensive coordinator, uh, Bill O'Brien, going to the New England Patriots. And so, yeah, that's pretty much the extent of it. Again, more SEC basketball coming up tonight. Uh, Three games in the SEC, not including Auburn. Obviously, they will be tomorrow night. But uh, this time of year, as we know, the midweek gets very busy. The three SEC games coming up tonight, LSU visits Arkansas, Missouri visits Ole Miss, and Kentucky visits Vanderbilt. None of those teams are ranked, even though Arkansas and Kentucky and Missouri have all been ranked at points this year. LSU nearly got ranked at one point. So uh, a lot of teams that need resume boosters in the SEC playing tonight. And then, of course, Auburn will get going again tomorrow. And so, uh, yeah, that kind of recaps things. There you go. 
So, Mr. B, I mean, I, I don't, you, you're you keeping this, in, I don't well, know what's going on. So, well, may, so maybe y'all haven't really looked into it uh, or seen it. I don't know, but have, have y'all seen or at least followed any of this whole Damar Hamlin conspiracy theory mess that's going on? No, not at all. What, what was, <laughs> Conspiracy what? theory? I mean, it's all over social media right now. Okay. I I can't say. I so can't. so some of it is some of it is just like very bizarre. Some of it now, if you go back, it like kind of makes sense. But anyway, they're saying the conspiracy theories are that that was not Demar Hamlin that was at that game because of the way that they were whisking him in and out. He had his face covered, had sunglasses on. You never saw his face. And it was the way they did it, and they like like quickly got him in in and got him out, and you never saw his face. Um, all these pictures that have come out of him afterwards, he's got his face covered and sunglasses, and so and, and people are like pointing out different things. They're like, you know, if that was him at the game, it, if that was legitimately him, he's still supposed to be on oxygen apparently, but yet there was no sign of oxygen. The fact that. He would have had, and now I know this for a fact. If they did CPR on him, not if they did, but somebody that you do CPR on for that long, you're going to have rib injuries. And yet he was throwing his hands up and down and celebrating. And there's a lot of people who are like, you're not going to be able to move your arms like that if you've undergone, if you've had CPR done on you like that. So anyway, there's like this conspiracy theory that that was not him at the game and that the NFL is trying to do something weird. Now that conspiracy theory has now also gone off the rails where people are saying that he is actually deceased and that now they're portraying this whole thing to try to cover up what happened and all that. I mean, like I'm saying the conspiracy theories will go off the rails. It can turn into something as simple as we don't think that was him at that game just because it, it really was weird. Like if you really go back and watch it, it it's it's odd. I'm not saying that was not him. I'm just saying that in hindsight, looking at the way they were doing everything with him, it was weird. It was very weird. But the conspiracy theories are just rampant now. I mean, all sorts of people are just like, I mean, there's people who are saying that they think that he's actually dead. I mean, this has turned into the Elvis thing. It's like he is actually dead, and now they've got some body double. They're covering his face and making it look like he's still alive and all, which I don't believe that for a second. But – yeah, it's 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 out there. It's it's crazy. I mean, the only thing I noticed over the weekend was just because of the snow, the the shots into the press box were very, I mean, very fuzzy. I mean, you didn't get a very good look at anyone at the at the family at him really at anyone inside the press box. I I, I wasn't really paying close attention right. to. Well, I'm saying though now, if you go back and watch different videos of it. At halftime, when they supposedly, you know, they brought him into the locker room, they had him in a cart, but it was just him by himself. And then they show the family the coming down later. But they pull the cart up. They've got this heavy security presence. It's almost like the pre, it's almost like he was the president. Like they they opened the door, and he quickly like just darted inside that door, and boom, shut. And then when he came out, like quickly like out and around the corner, it's like can't see it's like nobody is supposed to see him you can't see him he's completely covered up in clothes his face is covered up he's got sunglasses on you can't tell that's him at all 
other than the fact that the TV folks are going, that's DeMar Hamlin. There's no way that you could tell that was him. He's completely, completely covered up. And just the way that they were just quickly just – So, all right. So people have, people have jumped on the conspiracy theories because of the way that all that was handled. And, the, and people are – there's just people are saying, that's just weird. It was just really weird the way that was handled. And it just makes – it's making people say something ain't right with that. But so, it, all right. Well, let's play detective then, Okay. Let's 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 buddy cop as Brooks likes to say with some of the return music and that sort of thing. So what would be the motive to trying to bring someone other than Demar Hamlin there as Demar Hamlin? Because we all agree he's alive. We sure. we, we saw him tweet pictures of himself right. in the hospital room. Like I'm not, I don't usually entertain stuff like that. So why do you think he's just too sick to go? But they wanted to pump up the team. Why would that be a motive? For I mean, not I, Demar Hamlin to go there. Or? I mean that. Yeah, I mean that could be. I like I said. I don't know. The, you can't pump up the well, team. Well, it's no, not Demar though. Well, no, here, okay, well, all right. Well, so now here's the thing, and, and this is the only. Um, hey, Brooks is over here watching some of the videos yeah, that I was got, talking like, New York about. Post. Yeah. Right, is it talking about conspiracy theories? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm telling you. So the New York Post is on this. It. All right. So part of the reason that this conspiracy theory has come about is getting on the political side of things. And that political side of things are the people that are now, and me being a, a guy that has more conservative-leaning beliefs, I don't believe this, but this is coming from the right, is that the vaccine is killing people. And that the vaccine killed him, the NFL is covering that up because the NFL forced mandate, forced vax on these folks. And now they've had a guy die and they can't sit there and go, oh, my gosh, because of our mandates, one of our people died. And so now they're they're doing damage control by trying to prop this person out, covered up completely head to toe to go, hey, this is Damar Hamlin. And now people are like, that's not Damar Hamlin. <laughs> what have you done with the real Damar Hamlin? That's where this has come from. Again, this sounds crazy, and I'm I'm telling you, I don't believe this. I, I I'm not a conspiracy guy. I understand that the planes that are flying over us at thirty eight thousand feet with smoke coming out of them is not smoke. Those are vapor trails. They are not dropping chemicals on us. I believe the nine eleven stuff happened exactly the way we saw it. I I don't believe these conspiracy theories. But that's where they that's where they have come from, and it's 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 running rampant on social media right now. That mainly at that game, those pictures and those videos that you saw of quote unquote Demar Hamlin were not Demar Hamlin, and so now people are saying, if that's not him, where where is he? What is his true condition? Where is he at? Why is he no? Why is he not showing his face? That's that's and like I said, the, those videos it's a bit bizarre. It, it really it, like going back and looking at it, it's really weird the way they were handling him in that situation. How they would not get any close ups on him. The way they were just, I mean, rushing him in and out with massive security. Um, like I said, it's it's out there. It's just one of those things that's being discussed in the world of sports right now. Josh Allen was asked about this because I'm just now. They asked him this. about the conspiracy and he said, theories. Quote, yeah. that's absolutely stupid. He was in the <laughs> locker room with us. Yeah. yeah. So I 
again, maybe it's just about the management of handling him, and, and well, just they didn't want him to interact with anybody yeah. and, and that sort of thing. But well, look here, and here's the thing: Josh Allen says that, but the people that have people that have these conspiracy theory thoughts don't care what Josh Allen says. They right. I, listen. I'm telling you, there. I I know a guy. I know a guy. He was a firefighter. Uh, way before my time, a firefighter here at Auburn and a firefighter at Southwest who is now a battalion chief in Arlington, Virginia. Well, he was on one of the engines that went into the Pentagon, and he has said over and over and over again with any sort of conspiracy theory that is, I was there, I saw plane parts, I saw body parts, I that was a plane. And so has many other people. But the conspiracy people go, oh, you're full of, you know what? No, it was something else. Like, no, the, these people are telling you what it was. Right. And that, and that's the same thing. Pilot, people that have been pilots all their lives are like, we're not dropping chemicals. It's just the atmosphere. It's a plane at 38,000 feet with vapor coming off of it. It's always been that way. But people are like, nope, you're lying. It's, <laughs> it's chemicals. It's chemicals. Right. They're dropping chemicals. So, of course, Josh Allen's going to go, no, he was in the locker room. Well, the conspiracy theories are go, yeah, okay, yeah, dude, whatever. That's exactly what you would say. Yeah, there's no way to prove <laughs> I mean, it that for those yeah. people. Like they, they could meet Demar Hamlin and be like, "Well, he has." Oh, that's a, not really a, Demar a, Hamlin. A slightly, you know, different because they they used to do this with um, who was it in the pop culture? Avril Lavigne. They right. used to be convinced that she actually was gone, and that one of her fans became Avril Lavigne. Yeah, and, they were seeing like yeah. yeah that she had died, and they made a body yeah. double. Yeah, I just. It's hard, it's sure hard to get on board my with head hurts. One, <laughs> one of these hundreds or thousands of conspiracy theories, one of them might hit on something. But maybe, Lord for, maybe, Lord the JFK, maybe the JFK thing, maybe there's something there. I don't know. But I just, I'd rather just not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I but I appreciate but, you bringing I, I, but it up. Listen, uh, it's one of those things that's being discussed and just... It makes for it makes for interesting talking points, whether whether you believe it or not. It, sure. Like I said, the New York Post has a whole thing about it. Yeah. They've asked Josh Allen about it. You want me to be snide here for so, a second? Sure. That wasn't Josh Allen on the field. Oh, no. Oh, that's why they he lost. Didn't, yeah, he didn't play well. I mean, that was, there's no way that was the Josh Allen I know. Well, yeah, I mean, you got you do got conspiracy theories that say that, the, uh, that Vegas actually runs the NFL, and so therefore – the Bills had to lose because Vegas is in on it. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't Josh Allen. House always wins. Yeah. All right, going to take our first time out of hour <laughs> number three. Uh, that was certainly – you said it was going to be a surprise. It was a surprise. I had not heard anything about that, uh, I'm, honestly. So first I've heard of it. But uh, going to take our next break here in hour number three. More sports call coming up after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. My name is Ryan LaVoy. 
There's no conspiracy there. <laughs> oh, are you? You are Tom Peavy. I'm looking at you right now. I this is I am not a body double of the real Tom Peavy. It is me. And that is Brooks Childress, someone that uh, sometimes gets confused with for Ryan LeBoy, and vice versa. That's right. We sometimes get confused for one another, but that's Brooks. My name is Ryan. We're proud to be with you here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line. Michael from Auburn. Michael joins the program. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. I want to know what y'all did to JJ. I think y'all some kind of conspiracy going on. Maybe y'all gave him some hot sauce or something like that. And he finally he finally tried some, and it just didn't sit well. And he left the program. So he's actually been in the corner of the studio in the fetal position for weeks. Yeah, well, the thing is, we the thing is, we have not done the hot sauce thing yet. But we actually discussed about bringing him in and doing the hot sauce challenge just right. to do it, just to bring him in there. Yep. I've got some of the hot ones lined up, sauces or whatever. I'll oh yeah. Y'all just let me know. Uh, um, Plainston Park, uh, the renovations. Have y'all heard any update on that? Because they should be uh, close to the season in a couple of weeks, right? Did, I mean, did, I, I heard some stuff during the off season, but I haven't heard any kind of outlets on any of the the progress on that. Uh, you know, they, there was rumors about adding some seatings to the Green Monster and doing some things to the facade. And, things like that uh just didn't know where where things stood with that yeah so so those uh those plans are still a go but that was not going to be for this season that was going to be for next season so what they're going to do is play this season and then immediately begin construction on it for the next season so that's how that has planned out now where it's at right now uh i actually just a few days ago, I uh, just was having a conversation with a uh, representative of a, of a construction company, and he was telling me that bids are being placed for it right now. So uh, the bids are the bids are being placed. Um, somebody will get that job, and as soon as the season is over, then construction will begin. Cool, cool. All right, thanks, guys. I appreciate the update. Yeah, absolutely. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. I always appreciate Michael uh, for calling in right there. Uh, yeah, Auburn baseball coming up uh, just a few It'll be weeks here before from now. You know it. Uh, we have to get some guests on the program, start preview Auburn baseball. I think I saw, Tom, another ranking. We, we talked about one of the polls, I think, from D1 baseball that did not have Auburn in the 20, uh, top 25. Right. I thought I saw Baseball America put Auburn into the top 25, and I should have should have uh, looked at that a little closer, but I thought I saw them be put 24th, 25th, something right. in there. Well, I can look it up real um, quick. But, uh, again, what Butch Thompson's done with the program, and it's so good to see the interest with Auburn baseball again increase. Auburn baseball's had times of being a very proud program, obviously a lot of greats, as with most of the Auburn uh, sports programs. But uh, updating Plainsman Park, I mean, we've seen some schools in the SEC that maybe they're not great football schools, maybe they're not great basketball schools, but they have created really great baseball environments. Something right. like Arkansas has created – a really great baseball environment. Obviously, Vanderbilt notably has cared a lot about baseball over the years. Uh, so, uh, 22nd? 20, 22. 22nd. Baseball America has Auburn at 22. So, depending on who you ask, Auburn in the top 25 or sitting just outside of it when it comes to preseason baseball rankings. And so, look, they obviously lost a lot of talent. We're going to be previewing their season here coming up in a, in a week or two. Uh, once they get going in mid-February, losing Sonny DeShera is obviously going to 
uh, be on the top of everyone's minds. But at this point, Bruce uh, Bruce, Bruce Pearl, I was about to say, Butch Thompson is starting to become in that category like Bruce Pearl, where kind of no matter what you lose, you kind of trust Butch Thompson to still build a certain type of team anyway. Uh, And and Bruce Pearl certainly losing a top five pick and another first round pick has built another top 25 basketball team this year. And again, with Butch Thompson, Butch Thompson has recruited wonderfully. He's had kids uh, that have had just gone on and got drafted in, out of high school and went ahead and, and, and went on to their pro teams. He's had guys come to Auburn anyway, despite getting drafted. Uh, so Butch Thompson's kind of uh, earned that place there where even though losing a lot off of last year's team, still getting some, some yeah. national respect, still expect some good things. Well, and, uh, man, I <laughs> we've jumped into this baseball talk. One of the... One of the reasons I think that Auburn is also in that one poll is not in the top 25. And, of course, people just cringe at that. I can't believe they wouldn't put that. When you look at what is in the SEC, and I'm looking at this Baseball America poll, LSU number one. LSU is pretty much going to be a consensus number one because they are just – they are stupid loaded – uh, and then racked up in the transfer portal with some of the best players in the country. Didn't they get uh, DeVito from uh, NC State? Is that who? Uh, Tommy White. Tommy White. I don't Tom, know why yeah, I said Tom, Yeah, Tommy White. White who the, had like 20-something Tom, yeah, runs. Tommy, Tommy Tanks. Tommy Tanks. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it says, uh, I'm just reading, LSU uh, 2022 All-Americans, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, and Tommy White. Jeez. Uh, Cruz was they, and then they year. they added the number one recruiting class and the number one transfer class in the off season. So, I I even spoke to uh, a couple of the Auburn baseball players uh, at the end of the season came in Fat Daddies and I was sitting there talking to them and forget which one it was we were talking about LSU. Um, they they're doing a lot of uh, uh, big time NIL stuff at LSU with uh, uh, is it. De Marini, I think is that the De Marini Bat Company. I think. Uh oh. Uh no, it's no, Mariucci. It? Mariucci. Mariucci yeah. Bat Company. Mariucci. Um, the Mariucci Bat Company is based in Baton Rouge. It's ah. it's run by an LSU grad, and apparently they are loading the NIL mm. for these guys. And this Auburn baseball player shook his head and he goes, "Dude, LSU is putting together an All Star team." He's like, it's just simply an all-star team. They're getting the best players they can because uh, the Mariucci Bat Company is jumping on board big time with NIL. So LSU is going to be tough to beat. But yeah, keep going through this because there's more. There's more. So preseason, just by Baseball yeah. America, LSU is one, Tennessee is two, mm. Florida is three. Jeez, no, it's not the SEC preseason. That's the top twenty-five. Top twenty. Yeah, this is the top yeah, twenty-three top. SEC schools. Top three. Vanderbilt six, Texas A and M seven. Jeez, that's five of the top seven. Ole Miss ten. Six of the top ten. <laughs> yeah. That's that's Ar- dessert. Dis- Arkansas yeah. eleven. Oh, seven of the top eleven. Yeah. Is there any more? So uh, quit there. That's half the league is in well, the top you, eleven. Then, in the you country. Get, then you get Auburn all the way down at twenty-two. Okay. So see, that's kind of what you got to bank on and. We talk about this in every sport. If they kind of look ahead and they kind of judge out the season, or just try and say who are the top twenty-five teams, just not going to think about what we think is going to happen because someone in the SEC, I guarantee you, I promise you, not not including Auburn, one of those top eleven teams. So there's six SEC, no seven SEC teams in the top eleven. One of those teams is going to bust this year. I don't know who it's going to be. I can't 
you can't I can't zero in on one. One of those teams is going to end up going like fifteen and fifteen in the league. Right. They're going to barely make the NCAA tournament. They're going to be like a, a, a two or a three seed in a regional. Uh, and they're going to have a disappointing year, not because they ended up sucking, not because they ended up overrated, but because they just fell victim to the other five or six highly rated teams. You know, I mean, if you think about it, if you end up playing all those teams, I, I would. we'll do this on a different day when we have some more time. If someone plays all seven of those teams, or if you're one of those seven teams, you play the other six, that could be two thirds of your league games are top eleven teams in the country. <laughs> you could end up playing two thirds of your conference games, top eleven teams in the country, and then Lord forbid Auburn or someone else actually ends up really good and in the top twenty or top fifteen and, and adds to that. So SEC baseball utterly loaded. Can't wait for it, but utterly loaded, and uh, we will have to uh, have a lot of conversations about. Butch Thompson's club as the season nears. All right, time to do this before we go to commercial break or as we go to commercial break here. It's time to give away some Auburn gymnastics tickets. Friday in Neville Arena, 7 o'clock, Auburn and NC State. If you give us a call right now, 334-887-3401. Four tickets to Auburn and NC State inside of Neville Arena this Friday. Give us a call right now to claim those tickets. Again, four tickets to Auburn Gymnastics against NC State. Uh, First caller will get them as we go to break here. More sports call coming up after this. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV, Brooks Childress with you here. As the day has turned tonight, we've had a good show today. Congratulations to Gavin. He has won four tickets to Auburn Gymnastics against NC State this Friday. Uh, and again, stay tuned to Sports Call throughout the spring. We'll have more giveaways, uh, women's basketball tickets, hopefully more gymnastics down the road, uh, and much, much more. So again, congratulations to Gavin for winning those four tickets. Thanks for listening, Gavin. Absolutely. And so uh, with that, let's uh, let's go through a few more topics here. Only about 10 or 15 minutes left here in this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. So you want to get mad? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, this, if, if you've listened to this program before uh, and the subject of baseball that's not Braves related has come up, it has most often been about the Hall of Fame voting process. Or Rob Manfred. 
Or, yeah, that guy. Um, he who must not be named, sorry. Right. Uh, we have an announcement from the Baseball Hall of Fame on who is being newly elected. And it's uh, one person. Which, which in, their, de- in their defense, earlier today, there was headlines that, will anybody get elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame? Which is atrocious. So someone actually did get elected. Yeah. It is Scott Rowland. Uh, congratulations to Scott Rowland. He's going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. <sighs> I'm just trying to I'm trying to measure myself and see if I just go completely off the rails or if I just want to rein it in a little would, bit this time. Would you like me to read the voting? Yeah, please do. I was about to look for that. I was about yeah, to, I've got yeah, it go pulled ahead. up because I was ready this for this. This will enable my madness. I was Continue. ready for this. All yep. right, would you like me to start with the percentages or would you like me to start with the what the percentage of ballots that were turned in? They didn't submit all of their ballots? The Hall of Fame has 342 elected members, including 270 players, all of whom, 136, have come from the Baseball Writers Association ballot. The average ballot in the 2023 election contained 5.86 names. That's good. There are 10 spots on the ballot, down from 7.11 last year. That's not good. With 13.9% of the votes used in all 10 slots. So only 13% of ballots returned used all 10 slots, down from 33.8% a year ago. Total number of ballots cast marked a 96.1% return from the 405 ballots mailed to voters. That so means 4% didn't even turn in a ballot? That's correct. It's I a- cannot. I did the same thing they did. <laughs> it's a conspiracy theory. So did theory. you, Tom. Great job. You did as much as 4% of the people that vote for the Hall of Fame did. Well, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Content. What? Keep going. Um. So... There are 14 players from this year's ballot who will be eligible for 2024, uh, including two of the 14 first-year candidates. Outfielder Carlos Beltran got 140 or 181 votes, and relief pitcher Francisco Rodriguez you guys got 42 votes. So K-Rod, yeah. the voting came down to Scott Rowland got 76.3 percent. Just votes. barely made it. You need 75. Need 75 percent. Guys, uh, one guy who just kind of barely missed, Todd Helton, had 72.2% of the Put vote. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Come on, guys. And then it goes downhill swiftly from there. Billy Wagner at 68.1. He's one of the top 10 or 15 relievers of all time. Come on. Andrew Jones, noted Brave and Yankee, 58.1%. Should be in the Hall of Fame. He'll get there. It's going to take him 10 years, but he'll get there. Gary Sheffield. Hit 500 home runs. Had only 55% of the vote. That's nice. Carlos Beltran, as we said, 181 votes, 46.5%. Okay. Jeff Kent, also at 46.5%. Really? I thought Jeff Kent was already in. Uh, Maybe A-Rod. That was, if I was imagining correct voting, I don't know. A-Rod, 35.7%. Yeah, here come the steroid guys, yeah. Manny Ramirez, 33.2%. Yeah. yeah. Omar Vizquel, 19.5%. Vizquel didn't do roids, that I know. Andy Pettit, 17%. Okay, he doesn't have to be a Hall of Famer. Bobby Abreu, 15.4%. Nah. Jimmy Rollins, 12.9%. Nah. Mark Burley, 10.8%. All right, these these guys are... I'm not mad about these guys. Francisco Rodriguez, 10.8%. Torrey Hunter, 69 Bronson Arroyo got 0.3%. Someone put Bronson Arroyo on their vote That ballot. is disgusting. If that person... <laughs> Voted Bronson Arroyo over. I don't care any of these steroid guys. I don't. I do not care if yeah. they voted for Bronson Arroyo. They should not get a, a ballot next year. Let me. Uh, there's a couple more that only got. Billy one vote. Wagner has a career 2.31 ERA, <laughs> is. 422 saves, and he struck out over 1.2 in inning. He struck out 1,200 and 903 innings. It just. 
I, I, I went full mad. I couldn't help it. This topic comes up every time, and I can't rein it in. I just can't. Four other players only received one vote on the ballot. R.A. Dickey was one of them. Jeez. Knuckleball, though. That's uh, cool. The good old John Lackey got a vote. Yeah, he's not a Hall of Famer. Mike Napoli got a vote. That's why. And Houston Street got a vote. Uh, he was good for like three years. I mean, Guys that did not receive any votes on this year's ballot, Matt Cain, Jacoby Ellsbury, Andre Ethier, J.J. Hardy, Johnny Peralta, Jared Weaver, and the Garden Gnome himself, Jason Wirth. Jason Worth, interesting. All right, well, I mean, most of that at the end I agreed with. That was fine. Jason Worth's not a Hall of Famer. Mike Napoli, all that. That's that's fine. They're good players. They had three to five good years. That's fine. Whatever. But Helton, who just hit and hit and hit and hit and hit, and then he hit again, and then Wagner, one again, one of the top ten relief pitchers of all time, I would say. Uh, I don't know where he ranks in saves, but it's it's probably up there over 400 saves. Powerful lefty. Um, you know my stance on people like A Rod. I think there should be a, a separate part of the hall that's like, hey, this is tainted. These stats are overblown, but they were still elite players that could have gone the Hall of Fame anyway. They just done it clean. You know my stance there. I can't fault people for if they if they disagree that that's a fair disagreement, but. This song and dance of people having to wait like eight years. What this was Scott Rowland's sixth year, by the way. What six years in the case of Scott Rowland. What makes you more worthy of the Hall of Fame after seven years compared to two or three? I get the first ballot stuff. That's always yeah. a very time honored thing. It's a very very cool thing if you're a first ballot Hall of Famer. But after that, what what why does your value increase so much in six or seven years? It's a great question. Uh, Jeff Kent, who you said you know you thought was already in the Hall of Fame, uh-huh. this was his tenth year. So he's not going. So to make it. it's he's got to go to the uh, historical overview committee in December of 2025 for consideration. How many years him. has Andrew Jones been on? Because if he does get in the Hall of Fame, this this will question. seem tame for you. The, the last seven minutes will seem tame. My anger will <laughs> profoundly increase. Um, see if I can talk, any com- any anything to talk me off a cliff, or I don't know. No. Give me more ammo for the cliff. I don't know. I no. I'm I'm looking at a thing right here that could probably get you even more on a cliff. We all, we got a break in a minute or two. Final break. Go ahead. Send me in the break. Upset. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so go this ahead. is that big big game boomer. Oh, I yeah. I can't stand the, that. We'll go ahead. The greatest NFL player of all time from every school. Okay. Andrew Jones is in his, this was his sixth year as well, so he was he's, on the ballot as his longest as Scott Rowland. Running low on time. All right, Tom. So this is a, this is not Hall of Fame related. Okay. It's <laughs> unlikely I will be up as upset because that's a personal vendetta with the Hall of Fame voting, but continue. Yeah. Well, so I mean who who would Auburn be? Uh greatest, greatest, NFL? greatest, greatest NFL player of all time from every school. You would think Bo Jackson, but no. Kevin Green? Yeah. Kevin Green. Kevin Green, yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Bo Jackson didn't, right. I guess, didn't play long enough before he got yeah, Only he four or five. Well, because of the hip injury. Yeah. I mean, he was going to have an gr- incredible career. He was off to a great start, but yeah. it was only like four years. Yeah. Kevin Green. What about UAB? UAB, Roddy White. Roddy White. Yeah. Yep. Uh, who's, who's, your, who's your school? Auburn. <laughs> no, no. Would you like somebody? Brooks looks so innocent. <laughs> he like Mike Auburn. Uh, he likes Minnesota a lot because of uh, well, I say yeah, Fleck. but it, I don't think P- any PJ Flex players are oh. in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Maybe yet. Oregon then. Uh, South what, Alabama. Is South well, Alabama got anybody in? Uh, Probably not. Uh, trying to find. Yes. Oh, 
Jeremy Reeves. Okay. Didn't know South Carolina. By by the way, Minnesota famous is Bronco Nagurski. That makes sense. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, You could add North Carolina for me, and I bet you it's Lawrence Taylor. Oh, yeah. I I saw that one earlier. Yeah. I bet you Man, that's a huge Taylor. list that I'm trying to look through. Yeah, UNC, Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Look at, look at Phillip, Duke. Phillip Rivers from NC State. Does Duke have someone? Duke, everybody has somebody. I mean, I want to know if we know the Because even Georgia Southern has one, which has an Auburn wow. connection. Rob Baronis. Oh, yeah. The kicker. Wow. Went yeah. from Auburn to Georgia Southern. That's he is cool. their greatest player of all time. Uh, also an Auburn connection, Troy's best player, Demarcus Ware. Oh, yeah. Fair. Yep. Uh, Duke, you yeah. said? Do we know the Duke? That's Sonny, the Sonny Jurgensen. Okay, I've heard that name before. Yeah. yeah. Maybe because JJ said it. So you thought I'd be mad about that? I, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, if you go through here and you start really thinking about some of these other players. So my, like Miami, who would you think is the best player ever to come oh, out of Miami? God. Ooh, that's already I'd in the leave. Hall of Fame, too. Ray Lewis? Mm, it's not Ray Lewis. Is it Ed Reed? It is Ed Reed. I would have gone Ray Lewis. Same defense, by the way. Right. <laughs> uh, Gosh, that's scary. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they liked people that were not in criminal criminal investigations. I don't know. How about Alabama? Uh, uh, Joe, Broadway Joe. Who would you say? <sighs> They've had a lot of know, NFL players. Like, try of, not to go Reese. I mean, uh, um. Cornel- oh, Kenny Stabler. Cor- Kenny Stabler. Cor- well, you've had Kenny Stabler, Cornelius Bennett. That's where I'm going. I'm going Kenny Stabler. I thought about Sean Alexander. Sean Alexander. You throw Sean Alexander in there? But maybe one. Maybe Joe Namath. This is yeah. Joe Namath. Okay. Oh, I changed my answer. I thought it was the 251 guy. What about Georgia? Herschel? See, no, he, he didn't have, have a big NFL yeah. career. Uh, um, I don't know. I've got I don't know. no idea. Champ Bailey. That. Oh, yeah. Champ's great. Well, yeah. All right, that's fair. T.Y. Hilton from FIU. How about that one? There you go. Well, it's soon to be Rivaldo Fairweather, of course. Yeah. Heck yeah. Just give it 10 or 15 years. Devontae Adams from Fresno State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, cars from Fresno State, but I think Devontae a little better. All right, out of time for this segment. When we come back, another minute or two of Sports Call winding down the Tuesday edition after this. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Kicks to Koulibaly. Head fake, drive, steps back three. Got it. Off the window and it falls. Auburn women's basketball's exclusive radio home is FM Talk 93.9. Graves whips it right side. AC with a three. Yes. yes. Tune in all season long as this rebuilt roster looks to make some noise in the SEC and make it back to the postseason. Coverage begins 15 minutes before every game. Koulibaly rips down the rebound with the right hand. Koulibaly untouched to the lane. Right hand finish it in. And a foul. Auburn women's basketball lives all season long on FM Talk 93.9. Brought to you locally by TK's Convenience Stores, Southeast Land Group, and Southern Union State Community College. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU.
Welcome back. Final minute or two of Sports Call here on this Tuesday. You want to debate some barbecue? We do not have time. It's great <laughs> that you're on the show tomorrow. This break. I, will. Uh, I, I will be on the show uh, tomorrow. I'll, I'll throw Brooks back in here for a segment. <laughs> I'm going to say, hey, Brooks, I know you're not on the Wednesday show typically, but uh, we're about to talk barbecue. We, we can have a wacky Wednesday and bring a blind taste test of oh, some of the area's oh, barbecue. Do it. Uh, do it. Great idea. I'm in. And we'll, and we'll figure out who I'll has the best. I'll donate $5. Be- we will figure out who has the best barbecue. Oh. Done. Don't do it. Don't tempt me with a good <laughs> time, it. Tom. Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> Only a minute or so left in the show time for the nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, in about 40 seconds yeah. or so, what do we got? Uh, no movies for you tonight because there's a lot of sports on starting in the college basketball world tonight. 6 o'clock ESPN. Ohio State visits Illinois, ESPN2, LSU visits Arkansas, ESPNU, number 20 Miami visits Florida State in an ACC clash, also at 6 o'clock on FS1, DePaul visits Georgetown in the late night tips, 8 o'clock ESPN, North Carolina visits the Q's, 8 o'clock on ESPN2, Kansas State, a team that's really shooting up the rankings, uh, visits Iowa State, Fresno State visits Boise State in some Mountain West action. Uh, also tonight, NBA doubleheader at 6.30 starting at TNT. Boston Celtics visit the Miami Heat. Then the late night, 9 o'clock, it's the Battle of L.A. as the Clippers take on the Lakers. And, of course, no Aust- good Clippers. The, the Australian Open quarterfinals continue tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN+. Dose. Gosh, there's a lot of good, great TV stuff. Yep, on sports. And that is a look. You're not a TV guy. Brought to my friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much, Brooks, and I enjoyed you being here today. Well, thank you. And uh, Tom Peavy, I disagree with your barbecue take <laughs> that you shared over, over the uh, the break, but that's fine. We still like barbecue. It's all right, and I it's appreciate you being country. here. It's a free country. We can debate our barbecue. And I appreciate you being here, sir. Absolutely, and I'll be back tomorrow. And uh, appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us today as well. For Tom Peavy and Brooks Childers, my name is Ryan Voy. Enjoy your Tuesday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.